Hello everyone, it is your boy, Kyle Conkeel, back with another episode of the Just STFU podcast. This is my episode 12 extravaganza, and today with me on the show, I have Trey Xavier from Gear Gods and In Virtue, the band. Now... As I was recording this, I didn't realize how loud the volume was in my headphones. So, there will be some parts of this where you hear an echo. And I tried to fix it as much as I could, but because we were doing this over Zoom, there was a delay and I couldn't, and I I couldn't really fix it. And I wasn't going to go through and undo all my audio in between where he's talking. I didn't want to I didn't want to go through this. I it took me a week to edit the video for this podcast and it's just something you're going to have to deal with for this episode. I will make sure from now on when I'm doing this, I'll have the volume a little bit lower in my headphones so it doesn't get picked up by the microphone because I'm an idiot. And the way I was sitting to film this, my left headphone was much closer to the microphone than it normally is so yeah anyways this is a really fun episode it's super long it's about three hours so if you don't have anything to do for three hours you can check out this podcast if you want to sponsor a podcast you can you can hit me up on any of my social media platforms i.e instagram and twitter at ks conkeel or you can send me an email at just stf just S-T-F-U podcast at gmail.com. I'm not editing anymore. All these mistakes and stuff, I'm leaving them all in. So you're just going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. Anyways, if you want to follow Trey, you should. On Instagram, at GearGodsNet. Go to the website, GearGods.net. Go to the YouTube, GearGods, InVirtue. You can find them on Facebook, InVirtue. Gear gods, however you like to find people on social media, you can find them. But mainly Trey does YouTube. So go give him a follow and check out my conversation with the super badass Trey Xavier. What's up, podcast mortals? It is your boy, Kyle Conkeel. And since the last time I had a podcast, I only made it to episode 11. This is episode 12. And with me today, I have Gear God's own Trey Xavier. How's it going, Trey? It is I, your boy. <laughs> Here I am to rock you like a small hurricane. Hurricane Kyle. Or maybe like one of those like wind tunnels that like moves a bag around. Yes, the most beautiful thing in the universe, right? The, yeah, like in American Beauty, the, <laughs> the plastic bag. It's just trash. What the fuck is this? It's just a goddamn plastic bag. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I posted on Facebook like an hour ago that I was like, oh, I don't really have any guests lined up for the podcast, and then uh, you replied. And I was like, I'm a narcissistic attention whore. 
I would love to be on your podcast. And then I, I, I made it, I pretended like I was a big shot and I said that I would have my assistant contact your assistant. But I am my own assistant. Same. <laughs> I'm, you know. So for the people that, that don't the know, would get there. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. So for the people that don't know, um, you are the founder, creator, content creator for GearGods.net. CEO, owner, and on-camera talent. <laughs> <laughs> all of the, all of the above. So you can find Trey at. Gear Gods Net on Instagram. You can go to their YouTube channel. Just look up Gear Gods. They have GearGods.net. They've been doing a lot of cool stuff for a lot of years, and I've been following them pretty, pretty steadily for the you past sweet, five or six boy. years. I think. Um, with That's over pretty much one... all of it. That's most of the time. I think it's been like seven years. So, yeah, with over one thousand videos on your YouTube channel, which is amazing. I have a, this will be the ninth, ninth or 10th video, I think on my YouTube channel. Um, so you've been doing a lot of, uh, as before we got on the podcast, I said, I put on my Jeff Bezos signature cardigan for the, for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, you've been doing a lot of, uh, <laughs> I like to call them the Jeff Bezos signature guitar pedals on your YouTube channel. Uh, so how did you find these first of all? Cause I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even thought to look for them. Yeah, well, so when people ask me about like how to have a career on YouTube or whatever, um, I always tell them that they should do one thing over and over again. But to find the one thing that you're gonna do, you have to, you know, you have to think about that, uh, you know, the icky guy, right? The uh, the thing like the thing that you're good at, the thing that you love to do, the thing the world needs, uh, and all this, and like it's like the reason for being um right it's the it's the what's it called the venn diagram that mm -hmm. includes uh, like all of this different stuff um that will be, it's yeah it will basically give you some kind of success and personal happiness and the way that you uh discover that is by throwing shit against the wall until something sticks and just trying <laughs> lots and lots of stuff and as you mentioned we have we actually have i think it's like 1700 videos on the channel yeah um, I say we because I have a small team of, of Peeps. cool people um, who are the remainder of the gear gods. Um, but obviously, I'm the m most of the face of it. So the um, <laughs> when something uh, wild comes along, I have to decide if I'm gonna, you know, put in the effort and energy to do it, um, a video or whatever on it, and. Amazon Basics guitar effects pedals was just way too wild to pass up. Uh, I don't remember exactly who posted about it existing, but uh, you know, it was just like this. Somebody took a screenshot and was like, "Well, this exists now," and I was like, "All right." I ordered them immediately. How Not many as did fast you buy? as I should have. What? How many? How many did you buy? Actually, the on that first day, I only bought two. I bought the overdrive. I have where are they? I don't know. Um, they're like on the ground behind me somewhere. Um, I got the overdrive and the distortion pedal because I was like, I'm willing to spend fifty dollars and go out on a on a limb here and s see if this will stick. And um, I did the first one. I the overdrive and I was as far as I know the first person to actually crack the thing open and see what was inside of it. Because mm -hmm. once again I was like, like I don't. 
Like if I break it, so fucking what? I'll, like, if I if it turns out to be amazing and then I open it and break it, I'll buy another one. Like it's twenty five dollars. So, uh, and it the video just just hockey stick. You know what I mean? Like took off. It's at like seventy five thousand views now. Jesus. Because I was like one of the first people to get it up, and um, I just went fucking ham. Uh, <laughs> I just went nuts on it. Like I. I don't know. I just I don't know what it is about these pedals that made me feel a little crazy, like a little bit like I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I think that's when most people hit success, when they when they go past feeling the uh uh or as Deadpool would say when they hit fuck it. When you hit fuck it <laughs> is when you suddenly when you get the freedom of creativity, the like just the drive to do whatever and i have now done let's see i released the i think the fifth video in the series today i finished editing another one last night and you know i'll be a little bit sad when i run out because they've all been doing really well and people seem to really enjoy them and i created the character of tiny jeff (laughs) little jeff bezos (laughs) flying around the screen (laughs) <laughs> I didn't and, see that in yeah. the first one. I've only I've only seen the first one so far. Um but I just I feel like spoiler alert, like uh I was I thought it was hilarious when you cracked it open and it was like a Nuix like yeah. distortion pedal. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like a lot of people were like, "Oh, bro, are you even surprised? They like like you think Amazon actually makes anything?" I was like, <laughs> No, I wasn't surprised, but believe it or not, I made this into a video so that other people could see it and know that. <laughs> it was just knowing what the specific brand was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not really surprised either, uh, but I know for a long time, companies like Behringer have been making, like, I want to say, like, you know, the sound-alike pedals. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you did videos, but I, th- I saw somebody do videos on these Behringer pedals that were basically if they were, I think if they were like the digital copies of the pedal, that they were pretty much spot on. Because you, uh, or maybe maybe it was analog. I can't remember. I'm gonna have to figure it out. Um, there was a company who got uh sued recently because they made a digital version, a digital um, mm, I don't know, chorus pedal or delay pedal or something. And they literally just copy pasted the code from an electro harmonics pedal mm-hmm. and they left in the thing that was like property of electro harmonics do not yeah. copy like just like flagrant rip off and they got they yeah, they got sued pretty bad. Like the maybe you know, it was the analog versions of the pedal because I know um Patrick Hunter, who's a bass player mm-hmm. YouTuber, uh I know he did a video on the uh, Behringer Bass Drive DI, which is supposed to be like a copycat of the Sans Amp, but it's mm-hmm. like twenty dollars, as opposed to like finding a used Sans Amp on Reverb for like eighty or ninety or a hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but I it might be the actual analog because I don't think that you can copyright analog components. Now, digital components, if you make something that's uh, proprietary to your um, product, I believe you can copyright that. But when it comes to analog shit that you can find in 
some sort of electronic store, I don't think you can actually um, put like a patent on that, That's on how question. it's put together. Um, well, I, I would imagine that they could uh, patent the circuit design. Um, but if that's true, then how are there so many exact copies out there? Like you're saying, I don't really understand the, um, the law or anything about it. So I couldn't tell you, but it does seem, excuse me, a little bit weird that there are so many perfect exact copies out there. Like how many 808s are out there, you know, like the TS 808s, you know, thousands, thousands of copies for sure. And probably just as good and then it comes down to like what it costs to manufacture it if you're using good quality or cheap components with high or low tolerance and then like the labor portion of it so like these you know these amazon basics ones are for sure um chinese made uh factory huge like huge factories just like turning this shit out not worrying about if they're really good or if they're using good quality components, because if they were, they couldn't sell it for $25 and make any kind of profit at all. Yeah. Well, I know um, I, I've been a, a big supporter, um, not of this company, but of this pedal for a really long time. And it's the, uh, the original full tone MOSFET bass drive. Oh. The, the, the first one, um, tried that. you know, like I heard it on like the He Is Legend album, It Hates You. And I was like, that's what distorted bass sound is supposed to sound like. And I remember, you know, I think it was earlier this year or late last year, uh, there was all that stuff about the guy who owns Full Tone saying a bunch of bullshit and not nice things about certain groups of people. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember I was like, you know what? I like this pedal, but I think it could be imp- improved on. So um, I hit up one of my buddies who I saw was making pedals, and I basically just told him, I was like, hey, I want you to make me what I called the full clone Conkfet <laughs> bass drive. <laughs> and he basically made it a third the size, because that's a massive pedal. Like, uh, Actually, my buddy Matt Dennis has it right now, but it's like this big. Jeez. Um, but he made it into a singular you know, like a standard size, like, you know, no bigger than a Boss TU2. And it literally sounds better than the original pedal because he went out of his way to get, there was a bunch of shitty components that were inside that were like Mm -hmm. Chinese components that he replaced with like, I don't know, fucking Russian components. (laughs) And Chinese components, Russian components, all made in Taiwan. (laughs) That's from Armageddon. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You know but, he's hitting the with the with the wrench. <laughs> but so the one thing he wasn't able to do, uh I was a little bummed about it, but it's still smaller than the actual pedal um area is uh I wanted to add a blend to it because that's the one thing yeah. I thought the, the pedal was was lacking. He's like for the how small I made the pedal, I don't have enough room for the blend feature, but I'll make you a blend pedal. So I kind of just have them as one, just con- continually, continuously hooked up. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, you know, like that big, it's, you know, like that big now. Yeah. So it's not as cool. still is not as much real estate and it sounds better. The the and all the components that he used were were really, really, really good. And I was just like, you know, if I do take 
I don't want to take a, a vintage boutique pedal out on tour, but I also don't want to support a guy who is a piece of shit either, you know? Yeah, oh gosh, that's that's a tough one, because you're like, well, I, I was using this pedal the whole time, just not knowing his feelings on certain matters. Yeah. <laughs> now you well, know the pedal itself hasn't changed, <laughs> and you don't like, you know, maybe like put some tape over it so that if you do a rig rundown or if somebody takes a look at your pedal, they don't know. But well, to be I, fair, I only took it out on one tour. And again, I don't want to take vintage boutique stuff out. Like if, if I find a pedal that I like, Enrique is so, his name is, his name is Enrique Maldonado. Um, he's a Jersey guy, really good friends with my guitar player, Doc. Um, if there's a pedal I like and I'm just afraid to take it out just because, you know, old pedals can be finicky. And you don't want to, and you don't want to get them messed up or stolen. Like I would much rather pay Enrique to clone that pedal if it's a lot harder to come by, and take the clone out as long as it sounds as good or better. So I would, I still wouldn't want to take it out on tour. I felt really weird taking it out on the one tour I did, and uh, and that was before all the all the craziness, but. I I st- think I would still much rather take the clone out. Um but I'm honestly I dude my rig every single fucking tour since Bad Wolves started touring. And even when um even when I went out with Devin Townsend uh for the 70,000 tons of metal, uh my rig completely changed then too. Yeah. So I I'm <laughs> the one thing I am looking forward to is I got my artist pre-order for the uh, Neural DSP Quad Cortex. Oh yeah. And just because I'm not really using cabinets anymore and I really I'm not really a fan of how bass has been sounding with me. I mean, through other guys, you know, there's a bunch of guys I know who use Kemper and Axe Effects for bass and it sounds great. Like maybe maybe my finger tone just sucks and it doesn't work with me. But um I've been really wanting to try the quad cortex because I literally just want my entire rig to be on a pedal board i don't want to have to i want my rig to sound exactly the same as when i'm in the united states or if i'm doing a fly date down in mexico Mm -hmm. or if i'm going to argentina or australia or what have you i want it to be the exact same rig so once you know i'm still i'm waiting to get that email confirmation so they can so they can take my money and uh, i've been wanting to try to like really dig into that thing i got to try it at nam uh for a couple minutes and it seemed cool. I mean, they still at the time were like fi- basically finishing it up, like still adding a lot of the effects and models and all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, it's uh, I am hugely into digital modeling. Um, I think, I mean, we could uh, fight till the end of time about whether or not it sounds as good or whatever. But like, um, I the sheer convenience factor alone, I'm like, sign me the fuck up. Like, I don't yeah. need to be carrying some shit. Like, I don't. It's 2020. Like, I mean, nobody's carrying shit anywhere. But <laughs> it's the future. Like, just yeah. embrace it. Like, if you play in a metal band like I do, and you like don't have a lot of money, like like I don't, <laughs> and yeah. you know, like, why? try and bring a 4x12 on tour or two or four 4x12s like just bring the damn pedal and 
work on it until it sounds as good as you can possibly get it. And then remember that your audience doesn't give a shit, you know, like, like it's way more important for you to put the time in to make it sound as good as you can get it and have a really good front of house engineer. Yeah. Like we do Robbie Brown. Yeah. And to put the, and to put on a fucking good show and not to worry about your gear, just fucking play your ass off, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like gear's important. Obviously the name of the show is gear gods, but like, Come on. Touring, touring can be a lot more simple. I know, like, I remember the first Bad Wolves tour. Uh, at the time, I was using Mesa Boogie Heads, um, powered by Omega cabinets. Actually, Mike Smith over there built me a ridiculous 4 four by 10 by one by 12 by one by 15 Massive. <laughs> the all-in-one. Mass- yeah, all-in-one. And they all ran at the same time. Um, and I was using that and a tiny little pedal board. And then I kind of expanded my pedal board, and I realized, oh, this is this is too much. And then I got with EBS, and they sent me two heads and two cabs. So then I was on tour with two 8x10s, two heads, and then I had this rack drawer just filled with pedals. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is too much. <laughs> so then I like scaled it down. I was like, all right, no cabs. And then I started using the dark glass head. And I was just using the cab sim out of the back of the dark glass head. And then my uh, guitar tech, Tim Walker, he built me this little MIDI rig because I had three different sounds. I had a clean, a dirty, and an overdriven. So he built me this little, I had a little MIDI mouse from Tech 21. Mm-hmm. And then that was going to a uh, Voodoo Labs hex. And uh, I could just go to one, two, three, or four. One was my clean, two was my dirty, three was my overdrive or the mega distortion, and then four was mute, completely mute. And then even that, like I tried taking that to Europe because I did that when we went out with Five Finger Death Punch and Three Days Grace in November, December of last year. And then I tried taking that rig to Europe with for Five Finger Death Punch and Megadeth and just getting it over there, like finding a rack that would fit the because like you can't rack mount the dark glass heads and my rack got fucked up the the chassis that was holding holding the head got fucked up like my Furman got fucked up like everything got fucked up because I didn't have a proper um I didn't have a proper ATA flight case for that yeah and like my pedals got all janky I had to like take some of them apart and you know kind of dust everything out and and I was just like, it's got to be easier than this. So I was thinking for a long time, you know, when I was when I was working with Dev earlier this year, he was using the Axe FX3. And I knew that some of my, my boys in Breaking Benjamin had moved over to the Axe FX3. So I was like, well, fuck, maybe I'll give that a try. But it didn't really solve the problem that I wanted to alleviate in the first place. It was, I would still have to bring a rack and a pedal. Oh, piece of shit. I would still have to bring a rack and a pedal board wherever I went. And mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to not do that anymore. So when I saw the announcement for the, um, for the quad cortex, I was like, cool. It's eight by 11 inches, which is fairly small for a model. It's like a piece of paper. Actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's literally a piece this of paper. This is eight it's and a half big. by 11. So it's this big. Yeah. I just happened to have that there. <laughs> is that your is that your surrender flag? Yep. <laughs> I give up. So when when I when I saw that, I was like, 
well, you know, because I use um, I use Temple Audio for pedal boards. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I hit up Cass over at Temple, and I was like, look, look this is what I want to do. And he was like, cool, get this. You And, you know, I got the, the flight case to go along with it. It'll fit the quad cortex. It'll fit two or three pedals if I turn them sideways. If I can't seem to find, you know, because I use uh, multi-band distortion to keep the low end for the grindy, grindy stuff. Uh, so I would just put my X7 on there, and I definitely do want to keep my Origin FX uh, bass compressor. So it kind of gives me a little bit of wiggle room, but there's also enough room underneath the pedal board to where I can mount my wireless mm. as well. So, and I could put, uh, I could also put enough power underneath there to literally power the entire board, and that's my entire rig. And for me, that I think that makes more sense than like, oh, my rig's back behind the fucking the light dummy cabs. And all the way over there, where if something's going on, at least if I do have to mess around with some technical difficulties, it's only a few cables and it's right there in front of me instead of, like, I would have fucking technical difficulties and you'd see me running across stage to go to the back <laughs> area, like, what's going on here? Or I'd have yeah. to, like, yell at my tech, be like, turn the clean channel down. And this way, because there wasn't really a way for me to besides having my whole rig at the house and plug headphones into the back of the head, there wasn't really a good way for me to figure out the levels of my channels either. But with a modeler type situation, I feel like I can, I can, you know, plug my in-ears into the, into the actual product itself and know for the most part how it would sound going to front Mm -hmm. of house, which I feel if you have like heads and you're using different, you know, volumes and different pedals and stuff, it can it could it could differ and those knobs can turn during travel whereas if you have a modeler none of your settings are going to get fucked up unless you want them to be fucked up so i know that was just like a huge rant <laughs> <laughs> no it's all good i mean i i'm 100% with you on that i mean the other thing that people don't really think about is the size of venue that you're playing makes such a big difference because yeah. like the size of venue that you guys are playing, like having a having even two eight by tens, like what possible fucking difference could it make when it's being pumped through a like fifty thousand watt PA? Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna be playing a venue that size anytime soon. My band <laughs> has not yet hit the level well, of success. I don't know if we are either, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. It's Rona outside. <laughs> you, well, not now. <laughs> but I mean it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard about this virus that's going around? <laughs> Nobody's going to shows, Trey. Um, but you know, when the presumably when, the world gets back up and running, you know, like the like you were talking about, like you're out there with you know, you're Bad Wolves plays with Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth. Like the big, they're they're not playing the lo- your local watering hole, um, yeah. where you know you gotta. Oh, but that even the problem there is like that size of venue is way too small for an eight by ten. Like, yeah. what is the eight by ten? What size of venue is that for? Like, who's? I, I think I think that's why a lot of companies rattle. don't really make them anymore, yeah. because I I really think. Honestly, because I remember, I remember this vividly. I went and saw Suffocation with Fear Factory at the Observatory in Orange County, probably, fuck, back in 2007, maybe wow. 2006, 2007. Little baby. And I, re- <laughs> and I remember this was, this was the, uh, the version of Fear Factory that had Christian Old Wolbers 
playing guitar, and they had Byron Stroud from Strapping Young Lad playing bass. Oh, wow. And I remember, so it was, it was Suffocation, then Fear Factory. And I remember when Fear Factory came on, you know, Christian had, like, both sides of the stage had, like, you know, three full stacks of Marshall cabs, and Byron had, like, four Ampeg 8x10s, like, laying horizontally on top of each other. And, like, now as I get older, I'm like, that's really just kind of, like, I feel like that is the equivalent of of just, like, like yeah, that's, that's how big my dick is. You yeah, know what I mean? it's like, big dick in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, their big dick in. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with exactly how you said, and for the most part, because a lot of guys go direct, a lot of these bigger audio packages come with those little speakers that are in the front of the stage that make it so the people in the front, even though they're, you know, six or seven feet away, can hear everything that's on the stage. So they have those, the lower speakers in the front that point towards the people literally in the front so they can mm-hmm. hear everything as well. Because, I mean, you could see crazy-ass rigs, and I have seen some crazy-ass rigs, but for the most part, they're not mic and cabs. Yeah. Like, you could have that for stage sound. I know a lot of singers... <clears throat> oh, Jesus, piece Ooh, of shit. Get it out there. Um, I'm going to let a couple rip. I've been holding them back here, but if that's, no, no. that's the atmosphere, that's allowed here. water right here. That's allowed here. Um, Encouraged, even. <laughs> Uh, I know a lot of singers still do like either no in ear or one ear out. So the only reason a lot of those live amps are even there is so that the singer can hear what's going on on stage for the most part. Because you don't need a massive monitor package if everybody's going direct. Yeah. You know, and everybody has in ears. And honestly, I didn't pick up the in ears until I want to say 2000 and. 17 or 2018 and but i was never a guy who was just raw dogging his eardrums on stage either <laughs> like i always had like custom oh, molded yeah. fucking earplugs or gotta have or, that shit yeah or Tonight, what have you but when you when the in-ears when i finally was like all right i'm gonna i'll try the in-ears i was just like what the fuck have i been doing my entire touring <laughs> career like this is the best thing ever i don't ever want to take my Oh, what was that? Oh, okay. The movie you recorded exceeded the four gigabyte limit. It was split. Oh, you just got to hit, hit record again. Mine just yeah. Oh, that's what that was. Because there's yeah. you know there's an inbuilt limit for uh, oh, uh DSLR piece, cameras. Piece of shit. Um. Anyway, as I was saying, um, when I discovered in ears, I was like, what the fuck have I been doing my entire touring career? It was like night and day. I was so used to using earplugs on stage. And having everything muffled and then still having to have a monitor in front of me that was literally blasting into my microphone <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't hear, you know, I couldn't hear certain vocals. I couldn't hear certain guitars. So it was just like everything was still in the monitor, but I was using earplugs. But now I have con- full control over the volumes of everything in my ears. and Absolute power! <laughs> pretty much. And I was just like... I don't ever want to do another show without in-ears ever again. Like, it literally... Some people are... I really think there's not really a gray area with in-ears. You either love them or you hate them. Because I know a lot of my the older school guys, like when I was playing with Jed uh, from Strapping Young Lad and Scar the Martyr and Vimic, he was like, fuck no, never. Just, but he would raw dog them eardrums on stage. 
and I was like, ah, I can't, dude. So because we couldn't get everybody on on in ears, it didn't make sense for everyone to go buy in ears and then not use them, you know, because we weren't going to get an in ear rig if everybody didn't want to use it. So, but it's like that me, group chat where one person <laughs> has an Android, so all of the text is green. You're like, God fucking damn it, Tim, or whatever. Get, just get a fucking iPhone. <laughs> or at least No, just man, like, I don't want to be on the Apple ecosystem. I don't want to be in the cloud. <laughs> so, but, yeah, th- honestly, besides the modeling, the it, like how advanced the in-ear, the in-ear ecosystem has become, because it's like, you know, it really doesn't matter. You, like, what in-ear company you get. Like, if you're buying high-end in-ears through, you know, either Ultimate Ear, West Tone, J- JH Audio, um, 64 Audio, which I just bought some from 64 Audio. Um, you know, I, I really think you can't go wrong. Um, cause they, they're like fucking 900 drivers in your ear now. <laughs> like when they started out back in the eighties, it was just like, it was basically a hearing aid that was hooked up to, <laughs> to a wireless pack. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of been, I've been trying to focus on how I want my next rig to be because I don't want to be building rigs anymore. And I, the only reason why I had to buy fucking new in-ears is because the second, the third to last show we did in Europe with Megadeth and Five Finger Death Punch, my, we were in Milan, Italy, my fucking in-ears got stolen. Oh, what? How dumb do you have to be to steal molded in-ears? I don't think that they did it because they wanted my in-ears. I think they were doing it out of, to inconvenience us because my, my crew had gotten into it with some of the Italian crew. And the Italian crew didn't realize that one of the guys in my crew spoke fluent Italian, so knew that they were talking shit. And it's really weird because my my in-ear case that those in-ears were in are it's a pretty decent sized Pelican, and it has a big uh, a big carabiner that has a big loop. So my guitar tech Tim literally connects the rest of the smaller in-ears to my to my massive in-ear case. Oh yeah. So they literally unhooked the in-ears and took the big one. So <laughs> wow. And who knows right they, there. they might like, not have known Fafangulo. like <laughs> They might not have known like what it was or they literally could have just grabbed them and threw them in the trash. They were just like, "Ah, oh, fuck fuck this guys." But actually so what what I'm doing what I'm doing to all of my gear from now on, and I'm uh, talking with 64 Audio right now, is uh, let me let me get these little bastards. This is not paid promotion. I don't have any sponsorships with them, but I'm getting these little tiles integrated oh, yeah. into all my cases. Now these will last a year, so you will have to replace them every year. And I think really? the premium the premium membership for tile is uh, twenty nine dollars a year. So there's a slim one, which is like a credit card size. And then there's like a like a a bigger one that you can put on your keychain. So we're gonna figure out a way to integrate this into my in-ear um, Pelican that they have for me, and you don't have to charge them. And I believe with the tile, it can tell you within I think like ten fifteen feet where your your tile is if you have it hooked up on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see there you go. <laughs> They get better than that. I don't know what that one was. So for like my Enki case that has my really expensive fucking Dingwall bases in Mm -hmm. there, 
you know, my new pedal board case that is going to have really expensive electronics in there, my in-ear case, and then I'll probably have another Pelican that's a string Pelican. Um, all of my cases were going to have hidden integrated tiles that I'll only have to replace once a year. So <clears throat> once I get these rolling, I have a year. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for, because uh, I have like a stack of these fucking bastards. So about a week before we go on tour, I'm going to activate them all. And then, you know, for the next year, I'll be good. So if someone decides, will you, the question is, will you remember a year in a year? I'm going to have to set a reminder probably (laughs) like, I'm like, Hey Siri, in a year, will you let me know to get new tiles or in like (laughs) in 10 months? Will you let me know to get new tiles? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause I'm just, I'm just tired of shit getting lost. And I know shit gets, I've had, I think we've been to Europe three times and Two out of those three times, I've been sitting at baggage claim at LAX, wondering where the fuck are my dingwall bases? No, that's the worst. <laughs> so at least now, um, and maybe I'll try to get some of the boys to do this as well. I don't know if they will, but at least now for me, you know, when I get off the plane and I have service, I don't have to wait and like wonder where my bases are. I could be like, oh. Oh, this case is still in Saudi Arabia, or <laughs> this case yeah. is in Paris when it was supposed to be in L.A. Uh, Man, so at I, least then I could know. You know, I lost my luggage in Berlin once. Um, fucking TKL, Berlin TKL airport because there's two Berlin airports. I found out all kinds of stuff about Berlin and airports and all. Um, <laughs> uh, because what happened is I walked right fucking past the the um the luggage carousel because it was immediately after you got off the plane and mm-hmm. I was thinking that it would be you know like you go out to like where like a normal fucking baggage claim places you know yeah, you like go it would be out, out to of where the you terminal exit the airport yeah and so my luggage was literally just sitting there and I was and I couldn't go back in I'd already gone out from security yeah um and they were like, "Oh, you're gonna have to go to the baggage services and shit." And I was like, "All you ha- like, literally, I know where my fucking bag is. You need to just send somebody to the carousel right now to grab it." And it was like two hours of me sitting there waiting, and then I had to go somewhere, and I it was two weeks until I got my bag back. Jesus, it was, Christ. and it was the worst travel nightmare I've ever experienced. Um, anyway, and that was that was last year. I I, I I'll tell you, like I'd. Uh, I'd give a lot to be ev- anywhere on doing a, a trip and lose my baggage at this point. I'd be, I'm, I'm okay with it. If, if I can go I'm on a trip, you. go to go back to Europe and hang out, holy shit, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, I'm definitely with you, man. Actually, so when I do, when I do um, overseas travel, typically what I'll do is I try to only take three pieces of gear. <laughs> oh, God, such a piece of shit. Um. I try to only take three pieces of gear. I have my guitar case. Um, I have, you know, a rack or a pedal board. And then I'll bring my Pelican and me and the boys will, and that'll be like our strings and, you know, accessories and other bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll bring one carry-on. Well, two carry-ons because backpack and then a small carry-on. And then I'll have one luggage bag that's massive that has my fucking my fucking Jordans and my big fluffy jackets and shit when you, when you go to Europe. Um, but I remember I was getting off the plane. I 
think I was at London Heathrow. It had to be London Heathrow. My least favorite fucking airport. I won't get to why it is my least favorite airport after this story. Um, You've never been to Berlin TKL. <laughs> and uh, I remember I was exiting the plane, and I fucking... It was actually, this was actually... Tw- I'd done this twice. I Because uh, what I like to do when I get on big fucking international flight is I walk in the plane, I find an open... Uh, like baggage compartment, and even if it's not in my area, I'm like, that's where my bag's going. I don't care. Like, you don't care. <laughs> I don't care because I want my backpack that has all my tech supplies, my computer, and all my other shit. I want that to be able to be close to me. So I always just throw my luggage, and I fucking left the plane, forgot my luggage bag. Oh, fuck. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wait. And I went to go turn around. They're like, you can't come back on the plane. I'm like, I haven't even, I'm not even, I'm still in the walkway. Like, can I come back and get, I, I left my bag. And they're like, no, you need to wait here. We'll, we'll get your bag for you. And then the next time I did that, I forgot that I told my drummer that I would, I would get his pedals, his kick pedals. <laughs> I left the fucking kick pedals on the plane. <laughs> and they wouldn't let us back in. Like, the second you leave the plane, you're not allowed back on the plane. You are persona non grata. Yeah, like right. even if even One if like your up. little toe is like outside of the plane on the on the walkway, they're like you you have already exited the plane, you cannot come back. <laughs> but to what I was saying about London Heathrow is for some reason, I don't know why, and yo, I, I thought I was gonna get fucking kicked off the plane when we were coming <laughs> home from, from Europe earlier this year. I thought they were gonna be like, No, this motherfucker ain't going home. Um I always get pulled in for extra security when it, when I'm at London Heathrow. I'm like, I've already been through two securities. You know, the security when you come into the airport, the security to get to your gate, and then you still need extra security. It's And it's happened every single fucking time. And they didn't tell me what to do the last time. So I was just like standing there like an idiot. And they're like, no, sir, you need to go sit down over there and take off your shoes and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then I was trying to ask somebody some questions and I got kept getting interrupted and barking at. I'm like, yo, please, like, stop yelling, first of all. I know I say that jokingly a lot, but I was like, and then finally, so she kept raising her voice to me. I'm like, yo, don't talk to me like that. If you're going to talk to me like that, like, I don't have to get on this plane. I really don't. I do not care. I will stay in London for another day. I'll and, hang uh, out with the queen. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll go get fucking Nando's and Wagamama for another day. I don't care. And <laughs> and so they had to get like the, uh, I don't know what it is over there, like the TSA head security. And they're like, do we have a problem? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be yelled at. I'm fucking 34 years old and I'm not going to be yelled at. Like if they want me to do something, they need to be clear with their instructions and not just like, leave me high and dry and yell at me because my fucking shoes are in the wrong place or I'm not supposed to be standing there, you know? And (laughs) so dumb. Like I, it's like, it's the worst when you're like, I am very willing to comply with all of your instructions. I am not here to be a problem, but if you don't tell me what to do and then expect that I'm going to know, like fuck right off. Like, yeah, and then be a right total off. dick about it. Yeah, like I don't, yeah, I don't know that. Oh, I don't want to say that I have a problem with authority because 
in those kinds of situations, flagged, I don't. That'll what? Get, that'll get you flagged. Put, get me put flagged. You, yeah, then, you know, in those kinds of situations, this, this I'm like, I understand that the reason that you have been given this authority is because someone wants to use this plane as a fucking bomb. And yeah. I don't want that to happen. So I am happy to do whatever you say. I, I, it's, it's unjust authority that you get mad about or abuse of that even a, a, a just and important authority that exists for a good reason and then somebody abuses it or... But th- that's even not even quite as good as that, it, or shitty as that. You just like, yeah. no, just fucking tell me specifically what you want me to do. Don't expect me to know anything because I'm not a fucking professional p- plane uh, fl- safety what, person. What's the word? Yeah, no, just even like plane uh, uh, passenger. I'm, I don't do this for a living. You know, yeah. like once every four or five months or whatever, I get on a plane. It's usually the same shit. But, like, come on. You can't expect yeah. me to know every goddamn thing. Um, and then why did you pull, pull me out of line for a random security check? Like, f- fucking do it. Go and check in my butthole, you piece of shit. Guess what you're going <laughs> to find? One of you, because you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was honestly, I was ready. I was like, they're going to fucking pull me out of here. They're gonna, I'm going to have to be, like, detained in some sort of office. I'm going to have to pay extra money to get a different flight. And uh, luckily they didn't. And I think I was just cranky because we were, oh no, we flew from Budapest or Austria. No, yeah, Austria to Heathrow um, that same day. And our our flight was at like 6 a.m. or something. So I was already cranky flying from from Austria to, to, to my least favorite airport that I've ever been to. Well, I've never been to, to your terrible Berlin uh, <laughs> airport, I don't think. And if I had, I, I haven't had any mishaps. But I just, yeah, I was already cranky. You know, mm-hmm. about, you know like seven dudes <laughs> trying to get into the airport with like 33 pieces of gear at 6 a.m. is never is never fun. I don't know if it was that much gear, but I, it might have been, I think, around like 22 pieces of gear. I've only um, been on a proper tour one time, but it was in Europe, and the logistics of getting that much shit on it's a, a plane nightmare. without paying a fortune, too. Like, we pulled a fast one like you would not believe so the band that i was playing with at the time that i was um i just like filled in on bass for a uh, band and the guy who's the drummer owns like a media production company um he uh you know just uh, does like events and stuff like puts on the brings up pa and monitors and uh, uh podiums and all kinds of shit you know and so he convinced like i guess if you're in the media they can give you, they'll give you a media pass yeah yeah media pass you get extra um carry-ons and or uh, extra luggage for free yeah and that worked pretty great because they told them that we were shooting a documentary about a band <laughs> <laughs> and we fucking pulled one over on them until there was until there was one of these things where like we got on a plane that was up what's the word it was like operated by alaska airlines but it was actually yeah, yeah some yeah. other thing it was like an, an affiliate plane yeah and they didn't get the memo or whatever and so we had to have 
oh, th- basically the guy had to have it out with them. Like was like, no, like I went through all the right channels. I have all of this information and everything. And they were trying to charge us like a thousand dollars to get on this plane with all of this stuff. Dude. And we were like, oh God, fucking damn it. You know, like we're just p- piss poor. We went Can't to Russia that. in, fuck, it wasn't 2019. Maybe it was 2018. I don't remember when we went to Russia, but dude, like, first of all, Russia is fucking dope and I would love to go back, but they made, I don't even want to tell you how much they made us pay because they charged us three separate times. And they would not let us get through, go through security or take our equipment until we paid them three separate times. What the fuck? So like times, times your, your $1,000 by like six or seven. Jesus fuck. And they translate that into rupees. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I still have, I still have a hundred Russian rupees left over, which I think is like a dollar 75. That's, that's some, uh. I can't think of a Russian food. That's a little bit of borscht for you. <laughs> Next time. You're I like, will this say, is my borscht money. <laughs> I will say, I did have an amazing time in Russia. I went to like this really dope rock bar. Um, and for the most part, you know, most pe- places, they, they speak English because any Slavic language, I am just like, you might as well, you might as well just be writing alien to me or speaking <laughs> or speaking alien to me because with with latin languages you know like you know german and most mm-hmm. you know most of europe um i can kind of figure out what i need and where i need to go and what's what but like if you go to like poland or hungary or bulgaria or fucking russia like i have no fucking idea um yeah if it's some kind of romance language uh like i took latin i took a lot of german like i can if you figure out the root words it's all like basically the same and then just like a little bit of experience and you can get you can like get by but the second you're they're using like what is it the cyrillic alphabet yeah a different like completely different like root for the language like fuck right off like polish is bonkers i I went to poland for the first time last year and i had a great time everybody there was cool as shit um met a bunch of really cool people and actually everyone there speaks great everybody that i spoke to at least spoke great english with a super thick accent yeah and to me to to americans it sounds like a russian accent and they're like no no it's very different from russian accent <laughs> you see you hear the difference but no and you still sound like every fucking james bond villain i've ever seen <laughs> yeah, my entire yeah, life exactly <laughs> and like when they do it and they point out the differences it sounds distinct to me but like if you dropped me in the middle of gdansk or whatever um and was like where are you in the world and i just listened to somebody speak i'd be like russia i'm in <laughs> russia and they and they'd be like no he's poland why are you so stupid so <laughs> well, fucking I, I stupid american yeah well i mean i guess it's because we are we don't you know i'm like really... listen vladimir you're <laughs> russian shut up um but luckily yeah luckily they i think they you know they're very smart and international and like uh they all speak great english because it's the language of the world so that we can be lazy and privileged <laughs> well a lot of other countries, like I know in Sweden, and I know I've, I have a few friends in Germany, like they teach English in in school. Like, yeah. what what languages do they teach us like here? But it's their like elective is like Spanish and French. Like yeah, I, I was lucky like, to be able ger- to take German. 
Yeah, I didn't have that. I mean, I mean, I'm in LAUSD. I mean, I don't know where you grew up. But. <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, masshole, huh? Yeah, I'm a fucking masshole kid. What are you gonna <laughs> do about it? So we met briefly because uh, I believe mm-hmm. you were on the seventy thousand tons of metal. Hell yeah, every year until they. Uh, until I die, I will go on that fucking has, cruise. It's so much fun. Has has it been canceled? Has they haven't they have they announced it cancellation? Not, it has not been canceled yet. Um, I think they're just holding out hope for that. You know, that last maybe, and I honestly don't know. I don't. I have no idea if it's gonna happen or not. But God, I hope so. God, yeah. I hope we get this shit figured out before then, January. Yeah, I know they canceled Winter Nam, which would have been my. I want to say my 16th consecutive name. Holy shit. Yeah. I've been going to Nam since I was um, 34. Yeah, so like 17, 18, no, 19. If you've lost count, it's a lot, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember that was a, I'd never done a cruise. I'd never been on a cruise. I, I think the only time I was ever in on a boat that went out into the ocean was like on a ferry or whale watching when I was in fifth grade. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't even get to see any whales. If there's no whales, what you did was not whale watching. It's just sitting on a boat and being disappointed. (laughs) Which is always a risk when you go whale watching. Yeah, so I remember um, it was October of last year, and I I get a call from Wes Houck. And uh, he's like, hey, you want to come play some fucking Strapping and Lad songs with me and Devin Townsend? And I'm like, do you have does, what the, it takes? does the Pope shit in the woods? Of course I fucking do. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I talked with Dev. We, we you know, rehearsed, we rehearsed a little bit in L.A. And then we flew from L.A. to Miami. And, you know, we went and did the boat. And we had two days of rehearsal. I think I had three weeks maybe to learn material because I was touring until December 15th. And then we were rehearsing together on January 4th or 5th in L.A. Mm -hmm. So very, very, very short amount of time to get to get everything, everything together. And I just remember, you know, getting to the boat and I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) I had never seen anything like it. I was like, you mean to tell me I can get food whenever I, I can get drinks whenever I want? And I was I was very fortunate, you know. I I didn't realize that not not everyone else on the boat had the the amenities that I did in my in my fancy uh, upper level in my upper level uh, what is it the states room or whatever they call it state room state, yeah yeah and because I had a room by myself I wasn't ex- I would thought you know maybe I'd be sharing with somebody or I didn't I didn't exactly know how that worked and I was very fortunate that like. You know, I had a nice room all to myself with a big old queen bed and a, a, a fucking pole, a balcony mm-hmm. so I can see the... I was like, yo, man, I, I could definitely get used to this. <laughs> it's nice. So how? So you've been on every single one? No. Uh, uh, I think this most recent one was my fourth time. Um, Jesus. But I'll, I just mean I'll, I'll keep on going till the end of time, like... <laughs> Uh, I love it so much. It's my proper vacation for the yeah. year, you know. Like, I like. I do a fair bit of travel. Travel. <laughs> I do a fair bit of traveling across the Ubiverse. Um, it's 
you know, one of the perks of my job, yeah. one of the many perks. I love my job. I don't know if I mentioned that. But, you know, I get like I'm lucky to go to Europe at least once a year, usually under normal circumstances, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's even though it's super fun, it's not really a vacation. Um, this is a vacation. Like I, I cannot relax under normal circum. Like I have a bad, I'm bad at relaxing. This is something I'm discovering recently. Like if I, if I go somewhere and I have my laptop with me, like I feel like I want to work, you know, like I want to do something. Yeah. And there's that like kind of guilt, but like you can't not relax when you're sitting in a hot tub sipping a chocolate milkshake and watching fucking arch enemy play like it's that was probably one of the very greatest moments of my whole life like <laughs> just sitting there like is there well, footage of that somewhere there's jeff loomis no because <laughs> like i mean when i go i film stuff because that's you know why i'm there yeah but i don't worry about it you know and yeah. like there's some there's plenty of time that's just tray time just like Having a good time, you know. Uh, actually, one of the other uh, greatest moments of of seventy k was when the when the backing tracks went down for the Devi show. And <laughs> what most people don't realize shit. about that that set, is, I'm not sure if you remember this, but so not only did the backing tracks go down, but it was super windy and super wavy, and someone threw a beach ball onto the stage. And I kicked it, and it knocked over Devin's mic stand. <laughs> There's footage. I, don't I can't. That. I can't watch it. It's too cringeworthy. You're just like he's he's up there like singing into nothingness, looking at you like thanks. Luckily, there was a break in the vocal, and so um, Dev's guitar tech, Sick Dick Nick, uh, was able to <laughs> was able to run over, pick up the mic stand put another bottle of water in there and clean up the water that spilled on the stage before his next oh. vocal. You got lucky. So, yeah, I did. But you know. it was, dude, like everyone that, that I talked to said that it was the best. I mean, it was better than the other set, which had didn't have those problems at all. But because Devin is absolutely goddamn hilarious yeah. and like just rolled with it and you guys like – like yeah okay there were no like cool synthy backing tracks and everything but like who cares who cares like who fucking cares it was just oh my god something about it changed the whole atmosphere of the show and then we would have forgiven literally anything (laughs) like nobody was mad about it you know some bands they they have a problem like that and they're like I'm sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. You know, they just don't know how to roll with it. Yeah. Like, I built, you know, this whole in-ear rig. I've got a video on the channel about it. It's it's a very expensive end table now, thanks, 2020. <laughs> yeah. But um, I set it up so that there's basic... I mean, I, ha- I haven't actually gotten to the point of installing this thing yet, but I set up all the rigs and everything so that we could have like basically a kill switch like a or a panic button okay so that if the backing tracks and the in-ear click thing goes down it defaults to like a very basic guitar tone Uh um that's basically usable for whatever yeah and um 
and it's just uh, yeah, and it shuts off the backing track machine with the clicks yeah. and everything, so that we can keep going and get through a gig if we have to. Yeah, and um, I think you're either gonna have that attitude or you're gonna let your laptop like rule your life you know like have it just be this constant anxiety like possibility and you know if you are like if you're like Devin and you know it's gonna be okay and you just love yourself and and love what you do and you have he, he put a, a lot of faith in us on that one <laughs> he put yeah. a lot of faith into guys that he had only jammed with two times before <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but he, i mean most like of it that, you know most of it honestly was dirk I, I think if we didn't have somebody who was the caliber of musician that dirk is and maybe somebody who didn't know the songs as well because dirk recorded oh there we go <laughs> because dirk recorded those drums a lot of on a lot of those songs that we played he knew them really well so i think if we didn't have somebody who knew the materials that was drumming as well as he did, it would have been a fucking shit show. Yeah. Because not only are is it like, is it the the click, it's the synths, um, but it's also there are transitional uh, vocal cues that Devin had put in there oh. to make everything like you know we would hear like a one two three four in the middle it, it, between before before every other transition. Yeah. So if there was another, if there was like, you know, the beginning riff of Detox and then it changed to the next riff, we had a vocal uh, cue to let us know that the riff was changing because he wanted to make it as simple as possible for everybody involved. And it kind of made it so, you know, I didn't really have to learn transitions. I'd be like, oh, there's that count. I know it's changing to this next riff. <laughs> and, I, and I would never have to second guess myself while playing. It was like... Honestly, the way that he does his cues and his slates for the in-ears is I don't think anybody does, does it better that I've worked with anyway. It's literally perfect. It is idiot-proof <sighs> until it doesn't work. <laughs> until, until it literally but, doesn't exist anymore. But that was probably some of the most fun I think I've ever had playing a show because I've been there where you know, um, the computer is, is the show and it's, you know, it's gone down and we, we don't really know what to do, you know? And, but I have talked or, um, but when we were doing that, that, that show, I remember even afterwards, like I was expecting Dev to be like, well, that fucking sucked, but he was so stoked about it. Like even, even when I kicked over his mic stand with the beach ball, he was like, dude, that was great. <laughs> like, well, you can't plan that shit, you know? Like, yeah. And just, yeah. It was, I mean, really, if you think about it, okay. It's kind of funny that we're sitting here being like, even though the computer went down, we were still able to have a rock and roll show. <laughs> like, oh, you guys managed to play these songs that you got hired to learn, and like, oh, good. Like, I mean, it. Like, you guys are all super badasses. Like, oh, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, yes, Dirk. He's one a of the best drummers machine. in the world. He's so one of the best great. drummers in the world. But the other and and Wes is outrageously good. One of the uh, best guitar players in the world. Lo, you know. 
and you play the bass. Um, and I. <laughs> that is true. And that is true. I do play the bass. And you're, you play no, but you play in like bands with very fucking difficult material. And I have not really listened to you play that play the bass all that much. And I'm very sorry. And that, but, I don't um, care. I've heard. I mean, I saw you play those nights, and everything sounded fucking great. You know, the bass is not a glory instrument. No, you're there to play the fucking parts and, and be low. smash the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, but like, I think the main thing is just you all had the right fucking attitude. Like, yeah, it was fun. If you don't, if you don't have the right attitude, you're gonna fall the fuck apart when shit like that happens. And um, but yeah, but you like. Yeah, like of course it went fine. Like <laughs> like what a fucking crew. So to... not only did I get to play with Devin Towns and I got to play Strap Young Lad songs, which people that know me know that I'm a huge strapping fan. I'm a massive strapping fan. Um but I also got to sing backing vocals with uh Ishan for Jalar. Yes. So so I, I got to do that. backing vocals with Ishan and play with Dev all in the same night with our computer tracks that didn't work. And me kicking over mic stands with beach balls, and uh, and I think someone was squirting me with a water gun. It might have had booze in it because it was real <laughs> sticky. <laughs> yeah, squirt my two thousand dollar fucking Dingwall bases <laughs> with your alcohol squirt gun. Yes, please. And that's you know, and that's the fucking boat. Like <laughs> that kind of shit doesn't happen. And then like afterwards, you could be like, you could like go and see the show, and then like go like whatever go to the rock climbing wall or the the water slide or whatever and like the guy that you just saw on stage will like be there in like a polka dot swimsuit Mm -hmm. with a little towel he's like going up the stairs to go on the and you're just like what the fuck like you know you see ishan like who's like just a really classy looking rock star you know like very very well put together and then he's like (laughs) beach (laughs) beach ishan like or whatever you know there was two places you were guaranteed to find me on the well, uh, technically three, well, pretty much three places you could find me on the boat. I was either at the bar, in the or in the casino, at the pizza place, <laughs> on the Matreon level, or I was in my room. That's lit. You uh, and but we only played two times, so it's yeah. like, you know, we played two different venues on the boat. Um, yeah, at, at any given moment, you probably could find me at the mainly at the casino bar. <laughs> That's funny. Spending I, way too much money cuz no one told me about no alcohol packages, you know? Oh yeah, that's uh yeah, that kind of sucks. I mean, you'd think that for the bands that they would hook it up, but I guess I had a $100 credit that was gone oh, within okay. the first 15 minutes after our first show on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's my that's my bad. But honestly, that was kind of like a vacation for me as well. Like we had just pretty much done two years straight of of Bad Wolves touring. You know, we had gone from you know a, a fifteen seater van to like a shitty tour bus, and then a less shitty tour bus, and then a really good tour bus. And we were basically were touring for yeah, almost yeah, almost two years straight at that point. And then there was Nam after that. Excuse me. Um, there was Nam after the boat, so it was just like, and then we, then we, then we would go to Europe with with Megadeth and Five Finger. So it's like I had this four day in between where I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna eat like shit. 
I'm going to drink my face off. I'm going to make sure that I am sober and able to play these two shows. But other than that, like your boy is fucking going buck wild on this, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, because I hadn't, I don't know. I felt like I was like, you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta let loose. I'm on this fucking cruise ship, you know, and I'm surrounded by all these awesome bands and people. And, you know, I got to meet a lot of people that I've known online for years and, and have never been able to meet them in, in person until the boat, you know, like Sven from aborted. Like I've known Sven for like 18 years and I didn't meet him until 2020. <laughs> wow. Damn. So, well, uh, the last, uh, not this year, but the, uh, was it the year before last year? Or, yeah, I think it was late. Oh no, it would have been two years ago because it would have been, or two years before two tour, two, fucking what is it called two cruises 2018? before 2018 thank you um with uh, aborted i did purse shopping with aborted on the boat so it was uh yeah every uh everybody except one of the guitar players so yeah it was it was sven and mendel who was in the band at the time ken bedeen who was very understated but was hilarious and um and stefano the bass player and we literally i shot a video of them purse shopping on the boat at at the purse store <laughs> and this the woman who was there the saleswoman which of course like nobody goes in and buys anything on the like metalheads aren't going and buying purses so she'd probably been there for the whole cruise just because they were paying her to be there and she didn't you know have to do anything stand there all day and then in comes aborted <laughs> with me and i was like have fun <laughs> and the video is fucking so stupid and really funny but oh, I'm you know he's just like check that out. how many dead babies can i fit in this purse <laughs> like jesus kind of christ shit. just like just really going for it yeah <laughs> yeah really i definitely I had, a, I had a really good time on the boat i was hoping that um um after um after we did the uh, 70, 70,000 tons earlier this year, or as uh, the names that Devin likes to call it, it's uh, 70,000 tons of black T-shirts and uh, 70,000 tons of cock. Because <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of females. Not a I mean, lot of there, ladies. There, I mean, there, there were more ladies than I was expecting there to be. But there is definitely the male-to-female ratio is, like if you were trying to repopulate the planet with, with the people that were only on seventy thousand. Right. Tons if we got on there and the world ended while we were out there, and yeah. we had to keep it keep going and be uh It would be a little off. <laughs> not a good ratio. No. But um I was really hoping that that, you know, maybe it would be like a continual thing that, that Devin would go do the boat and he would, you know, call me and Wes and Dirk and because not a lot of shit happens in early January, so for the most part, most people's schedules are pretty open for that time. I think, you know, after after Christmas and New Year's, um, tours don't really start until mid to late January, you know, and then there's NAM as well. So, like, that kind of time frame, like, the first week of of January is, like, perfect timing to get pretty much any band um, out there, so I was like, "Ooh, maybe I'll get to do this again," but you know, unfortunately, uh, coronavirus pandemic issues have uh, have made that 
probably, I'm not going to say because they haven't announced it yet and I don't know anything about it, but it probably might have to be rescheduled to a later date or canceled. Um, but I would definitely, I don't know if I would buy a ticket to, to 70,000 tons of metal. Really? But, um, it's, it's pretty pricey. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But expensive. I would love to be invited back (laughs) to play with any band on, like I I would play all four days or five days or I think it's four days. My understanding is that they don't have the same band on two years in a row. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't, well, Devin wouldn't get invited to play yeah. well, this coming year. We but, I don't think I don't think Bad Wolves would fit on that. We would be more of a shipped rock, ship rocked, yes, type band. But which did get canceled officially. Yeah, because it happens but, around the same time. I think. Yeah, I think they're like a week apart. Imagine like doing both of those. Do you ever do that? Have <laughs> you done that? Both of those? No, I haven't been on ship rocked. Okay. Um, probably I feel for like the they're same probably more Bad Wolves that, hasn't on been on. Yeah, probably 70K is BYOB. <laughs> Bring, your own, Bring your own babe. Yes, babe. <laughs> That's the B word I was using. Um, um, but it, yeah, it's it's kind of like um, they, you know, Gear Gods is more like true metal. Yeah. <laughs> um, not the kind that girls like. Um <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I would like to go, uh, my friend Leo was on ship rocked, right? Yeah. Ship rocked Leo Maracchioli. Um, f- oh, uh, was he probably. part of the cover band? Yes. So he'd be probably cause doc did that in 2000. Was that 2018 or 2019? I don't remember, but he was part of the, the stowaways, the cover band that yeah. was on the, I think, I think it was this year that he, was it? Shit, Nobody I don't know. Knows. I don't remember. I don't check. even. I don't even fucking know what I, where I was last week or even where I am <laughs> right now. It it looked like so much fun, and yeah. I mean, like, can you really go wrong with a a cruise or b a concert cruise for any really any kind of music? Like, I'll go on a fucking jazz cruise. I don't care. Like, it's so much fun. Like, there are cruises that are just cruises. Like, yeah. I I always think about that when I'm on seventy k. I'm like. Some people do this, but there's no bands that play except for yeah. like in the cocktail bar. There'll be like a piano guy, yeah, or whatever, you know, or some sort of show that is like you know, or play or whatever that's that's in one of those, you know, like the the first dev sh- dev set that we did was kind of like in a theater, and there was yeah. all these weird props and shit in the backstage <laughs> area. So I was like, oh, maybe they have like plays or you know whatever else. But uh, my one of my roommates actually works for a cruise liner, and I was like, "Yo, like once this world opens up, I kind of want to take a cruise from Los Angeles to Alaska." And I think it's like two cruise. weeks or some shit, maybe, yeah. maybe, and maybe three weeks. I don't remember, but I was just like, I mean, I know it wouldn't be like you know seventy tons, and I would probably be one of the younger dudes that's an adult on the cruise ship. I'm like, that seems like it'd be probably pretty cool if you just wanted to relax. And then it's like, yes. you don't even need to buy the Wi-Fi, so you're just like, fuck you, everybody. Yeah. I'm just I'm fuck chilling the by world. the pool. <laughs> I'm, drinking, I'm drinking $25 cocktails at the bar and going to Alaska on this, on this boat. Yeah. I think, yeah. 
I think to me that would be the ultimate way to relax because like I said, like if I'm going to relax, mm-hmm. I'm going to need plenty of time. It's going to take me a week to un- to to get into a mode where I can fully relax and yeah. I have to cut myself off from the possibility of doing work. <laughs> you yeah. know. So you're not even allowed to bring your computer, I don't care. Not, yeah. not even for Netflix on the boat, you know what <laughs> I mean? I think honestly what I would probably do is bring my guitar and I would write some riffs, I'd write some, some boat music, riffs. boat riffs. It would like I'd get back and I'd have a whole album of like uh like Kenny Chesney like or what who is the who's the guy that he's like the country version of if you like pina coladas that guy oh, um, God, sorry no, I just you put me on the spot so now I just I, demonetized your um uh, I don't really care anyway uh <laughs> no I, uh you know it all be like uh, island jams and I'd be like oh I used to be metal what happened um <laughs> Trey X's island jams adventure <laughs> Be like, cast aside your worries. <laughs> Would you have the Jamaican accent too? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's culturally I don't know appropriate. What I don't know what I'd pick up. I went to Jamaica on one of the cruises. Actually, uh, the first cruise that I went on was not 70K. It was... You lied to me. A f- I forgot about this. Uh, I went to... I went on the f- one and only Axes and Anchors cruise. I think um, I remember that. It f- it was a uh, unfortunate kind of a <laughs> failure. Um, it was very Ooh. undersold. I think they split their focus too much because they went. It was initially supposed to be like like instrumental guitar fest. So I think what happened was they were like it was initially supposed to be this instrumental guitar thing, mm-hmm. but they. I don't know if they just couldn't book any of the bigger names like, you know, they couldn't get Steve Vai or Satriani or whatever. And that would have been like the big draw. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilde played. Was it black? It was black label society played. Of course, Zach is a guitar hero, but like, you you know, they were trying to go for this. um, Yeah. Thing. So they, they had a lot of like, aside from Zach, they had kind of a lot of the B guitar heroes, <laughs> too, yeah. but I think then they waffled and tried to make it like, just tried to get the biggest name that they could. So they booked a bunch of butt rock bands, and they mm. got, so they got the headliner was Breaking Benjamin, and so there was this weird like, oh uh, they Ingve uh, was there though. So they got Ingve who brought his whole who brought everything his whole fucking wall. God. of Marshall Stacks. Why? Everybody else is playing through backline shit. Yeah. And Ingve insisted to bring his whole wall. Um and but so yeah, so they got Breaking Benjamin, which like like cool. Yeah, that's great, but like half the people are there to see Shred and then there was like Motionless and White played and oh. like it was it was it was a weird crowd. They undersold it by like half. And it was really too bad because I really liked the idea, and I had a great like G three like G three on a boat. Like I think that would that would be that would be really cool if they yeah. were able to get like, you know, like Zach Nuno Betancourt, Tosin Abasi, Herman Lee. You know, a lot of the a lot of the the big names, and then you know they can do solo sets, and you know, kind of like how they've done it before, where it's kind of like the same backing band, and then they have yes. like solo sets, and then like oh yeah, like generation jams. Acts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If they did like Generation Acts, but oh, on a cruise? boat, but oh. then can solidify those 
those people, I thought I think probably would have done better. But yeah, if, then they kind I'd... of like realized that they they couldn't get you know whoever they wanted, uh, some, maybe some of the artists that they wanted, and then they're yeah. like, yo, we got we really got to figure something out, boys. Let's get Breaking Benjamin and Motionless and White, which are two both great bands. I'm friends with with both of those guys in that band. Um, but yeah, having it half undersold. I mean, I know 70k. It wasn't sold out when this this year. No, it I sells know... out every year. It's it was sold out. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, Definitely. I didn't know it was sold out. It sells out. Like they have to have like a, they have like a a whole system because otherwise people snatch them up like, like. Oh shit. Um, it always sells out, and 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 they you know they moved it two or three years ago to a bigger boat it used to be on a smaller boat and it still sells I couldn't out imagine crazy. that i couldn't imagine that being on a smaller boat because that like like yo like second night yeah second night in the casino area like that shit's pumping you know like i have and it, and it's and it's you don't really get to see like unless you go from like upstairs on the on the deck to like the theater and then to the smaller club downstairs you don't really get to see like how like I did that one night. I was running around watching as many shows as I could. I was like, there's a lot of motherfuckers here. <laughs> I didn't know how many people it was, but I'm like, there is a lot of people. Sixty bands. Like yeah. and, <laughs> and they all play twice. Yeah. So hundred and twenty shows. <sighs> do do those shows run twenty four hours a day? Or is there like no. a stopping time? They go until like four or five in the morning and then start up again at like noon. So there's only that little break in between there. Jesus. But um, so it's three, three venues. Is it three or four venues? I think it's three. Four. Damn. So four venues, 60 bands, 120 shows, three to 4,000 fucking guests. Jesus, that's crazy. I just noticed that I think me and you have the exact same chair. This is completely off topic. <laughs> We do. The secret lab is yours, the Omega. Yeah, uh, I actually have the Titan. I might also have the Titan. I actually don't remember. It looks like mine. Oh, it, it is the Titan. There's a T. Yeah, there's a <laughs> T right there. That's hilarious. Um, no, wait. Is Omega the... No, wait, Omega's the smaller Omega's one. The, oh, okay, yeah. I got the big one because I'm a big boy. Yeah, Mainly because I have no junk in the trunk. I need a... I need, you know, I need a big cushion on for my, I, and I'm sitting on a pillow. It, oh, you got a pillow too? Yeah, just just a regular pillow. Oh, it's just a regular ass pillow. I mean, I sit here a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You, I mean, you have like a own room in your place that's dedicated. You got the gear gods thing behind you, and you know every, and then I already know to your right there's massive EVH amplifier or a rev. I'm sorry, yeah, rev. Big amp- old, my big old stack of rev, um, yeah. of which. There are speakers in one cab. The rest of them I use for storage. It's a it's a set. It's a it's Actually I actually oh, am gonna I just need to get some new speakers. I haven't decided what kind of speakers I'm gonna put in them yet. But um yeah, and I'm this is uh I'm in a garage right now. This is a oh, shit. a corner of a garage that I rent. So oh. I mean my house is like on the other side of this wall, ten feet that way. Mm-hmm. Um but uh Oh shit! Where are we going with that? Yes. So I have to make myself as comfortable as possible. Like it's yeah. pretty chilly in here right now. I've got the. I'm doing all right because I got this. I got a heat dish. I actually just 
figured this out that I have my heat dish, which is like crazy directional and yeah. super hot. And so it's you're either like freezing or melting, you know. But right yeah. now it's pointed right at the back of the chair, and I'm feeling it like through, like I'm warming through my core. <laughs> hot leather. Hot leather. I, I hope I'm not like warping my poor chair. Your poor or expensive. We chair. won't be twins anymore. It'll be mine. Will be the melted like. I'm a secret lab here. <laughs> it'll it'll be like the movie twins, not actual twins. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I'll be Danny DeVito. Actually, uh, I'm I'm not sure how how much of it makes it to our records, but mo all most of our pre-production guitar tracks are actually done with a Rev Generator 120. Oh shit! Into uh, into a two notes with well, a custom custom IR. It's the greatest amp ever made in the history. I love of time. it. Um, I love it. I'm actually I was looking at buying one, and I'm like, oh, it's like fucking four thousand dollars. It's not quite that much. <laughs> it's like it's three grand, isn't it's it? It's about three grand, yeah. Um, yeah. but um, is it Doc that has one? No. So we we write songs with uh one one of our he's like the unofficial sixth member of Bad Wolves, and he kind of does mm-hmm. he takes riffs from like John and. And uh, when Doc when Doc and Chris do songs, they just do stuff through their Kemper. But when uh, when John's writing songs with uh, with our buddy Max, he has the the generator 120. Is it Max uh, Martin? Is you're writing songs with Max Martin for who also writes songs for Taylor Swift? No, no, it's it's not. Well, it's you're not fucking up. So it's, it's Max Karen. He was actually on the boat as well. He plays guitar for Once Human. Oh, yes, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Once Human is awesome. I got to hang and, out with them a little bit. Um, and I bug Max okay. all the time for like production questions and and uh, and I just I remember when I first heard when he first got the the Rev 120 and we were doing some scratch tracks and he sent it to me I'm like what the fuck are you playing? <laughs> it's so so good. So mine has been with like the guy who's producing our our album for pretty much the whole year because we had it was in the studio where we recorded Mm -hmm. and so i did yeah i did the same thing i tracked everything on it um and then the final tone is like he like reamped through that and plus a 5150 and like i guess blended him somehow i don't know it turned out fucking great but like oh it just it's just perfect like the fucking sound is just the the thing is it's not just that it's good because there's a lot of great sounding amps out there. Yeah. But so many of them are just like modified 5150, a modified Marshall, like a a fancy t- like a a take on an older amp, but the Rev is completely original design from the ground up. Yeah. And so it's amazing and it's unique mm-hmm. and that's why I gravitated towards it right away. Plus they are super fucking cool dudes. I actually worked for them for for a little while doing like some social media and all kinds of random shit and they're super great dudes and just yesterday they announced the Mark 3 oh, generator 120 cuz the one I have is the Mark 2. Um anyway, long story short, I have been desperately missing my 120. Although I have the um you have the little the, baby guy I have the little there, one the you? G20 which is it's incredibly sick like it's ridiculous that it's 20 watts and it's like you know this fucking big and it sounds that good i've been using it in a bunch of videos all the amazon basics videos i've been using that and the d20 which is like the clean super clean pedal platform one um 
actually because because of those videos that you did for the the Seymour Duncan power amp, mm-hmm. I was like, oh okay. So if I do actually want to run a cab, like I wouldn't mind. Uh, and I also talked to uh, Simon Gro- uh, Grove from oh, Pliny. Yeah. Um, he loves those, and I was like, oh okay. Yeah. I wouldn't actually mind running one of those if I wanted to plug. You know, if I wanted to do uh, the quad cortex or whatever I choose into a cabinet i was like oh, okay, i'd be really curious to know how it works for bass because when i did those videos i got hounded with questions can i use this for bass can i use this for bass can i use this simon for bass? does he plugs and his helix into it and runs it into an ampeg svt a10 that's so great i think uh i mean i i don't own a bass cab so i wasn't able to test it uh you or can i borrow have one of mine i have a very small one <laughs> um and it's yeah, because, you know, the main thing about bass is you just need a lot more power yeah. than a guitar amp, you know, just to really drive that low end. It takes just so much more. And well, you're around uh, L.A., aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Glendale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you in North in Hollywood. Hollywood right? yeah. So yeah. You, ever, you ever want a bass cab? Let me know. I got two 810s and I got two 410s <laughs> and I got two, two 12s. You got you got every back ruiner that exists of all yeah. the different kinds. Yeah, I'd be I'd be really curious to know if you try it out, because um, I thought they were super great on guitar. I really love them, um, and I I was curious if the you'd probably have to use the larger one um, if you wanted to get any serious volume. But like I don't know that even just the little one, the one seventy is like pretty fucking loud, at least for guitar. Yeah, I'm um, not sure which one which one Simon uses. Um, he, I, you know, now that you mention it, I remember seeing it in his rig when when Pliny was here and played at the. I think the L Ray or something, yeah. um, and it's it's yeah he definitely plays the big with a seven hundred, um, the big daddy, big daddy, because it's seven hundred watts per side, yeah. So it's actually I mean I don't know if you can bridge it, I, I don't know, want but to. you could run two things at seven hundred watts at four ohms or that's, whatever. Yeah, I mean th- that's that's way more power. God damn it, camera. <laughs> uh, th- I mean that's way more. What are you doing? That's way more power than you would ever need, you know? It doesn't yeah. matter if you're playing, you know, like you said, your local watering hole or, uh, you know, the the Bridgestone Center in Nashville, you know? Yeah. That's way more power than you will oh, ever need. God, speaking of things I missed from 2020, or I missed in 2020, I go to Nashville every year for Summer Nam, mm-hmm. allegedly for Summer Nam, to eat barbecue. I go to eat barbecue, oh. and I also go to Summer Nam. And it's, oh boy, oh I missed it so badly this year. Um, I I've never been to a summer nam ever. Really? I it's, think I might like it more. It's the best. It's so laid back and chill. Like, you you know, winter nam, you run, you run to things. You yeah. talk to somebody for four seconds, and then you run to something. Else. Well, I run because I'm trying to film everything. Um, yeah. But I absolutely love summer nam because you go you go to a booth you talk to somebody for an hour just hang out try Chill. everything for real yeah it's not nearly as loud it's much smaller it's you know it's southern so <laughs> you have a nice southern time oh honey you want some sweet tea while you try that there bass nam we're gonna have that's an absolute exaggeration but it is um it is yeah. really cool and you get you some know, hattie bees while you're down there too oh yeah um I am all about, um, oh, God, what is the name of the place? It's my favorite. Edley's. I love 
probably my number one favorite food of all time is the um the loaded fries from Edley's. And I don't think I've been to Edley's. I'll have to do that the next time we're in Nashville. Yeah. Uh it's just my personal favorite. A lot of people like the other ones better, but I love everything about it. I love ribs are my main usual favorite food because they're ones beef. that I can get pork. Baby pork. back all the way. Yeah. I I'm a dinosaur I'm rib guy. Baby back. Baby back. Dude, actually, you know what's super but, funny? I was in a band. Um, the original drummer of The Faceless. Well, I wouldn't know if he was original drummer, but one of the first drummers of The Faceless is Brett Batdorf. Okay. And I was in a band with Brett Batdorf and his twin brother, Matt Batdorf, and their dad, John Batdorf. You're telling me Brett, Brett and Matt Batdorf was the... Okay, I'm following. <laughs> their dad, John Batdorf, actually wrote the Chili's Baby Back Ribs song. <laughs> <laughs> he was making fun of him one time about the baby back rib song <laughs> and he's like well matt it paid for this kitchen <laughs> <laughs> holy shit yeah. that is yeah he wrote he wrote the chili's baby back rib song he wrote the Darkwing duck song oh theme song uh tom and jerry kids and then he wrote the durango doug song that featured in one of the episodes of the animated show doug Durango Doug. Durango Doug. I don't remember that one, but I I was I watched a lot of Doug as a child. <laughs> you didn't write that one. That, that one probably would have got him a little bit more. <laughs> Fuck. That brings me back. Yeah, if you wrote that one, you you know he'd uh, have a much bigger kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can tell you though, that's a gig that I want to get. Like, so writing songs is my main thing. Like yeah. um, we're 95 minutes into this podcast, and we're finally talking about music. Um, <laughs> not that it matters. I mean, whatever. It doesn't have to be about anything in particular. Um, but, <laughs> like, I love, I just love to write music, and I don't, re- like, necessarily really give a shit what kind of music it is, you know? Yeah. Like, I write metal because that's mostly what I know, and I do love that. But, you know, I have my stream where I write all kinds of crazy shit. Like, um, Yeah, you're on the Twitches. I'm on the Twitch. It's Gear God's official if you want to watch me twitch um i think it is uh, absolutely incredibly boring to watch me but um s- basically like once a week i'll sit down on sundays and i'll start from nothing and just create usually most of a whole song and it's cool because you know like just this like incremental building of this thing and you get to watch the whole process if that's something that you're into um but that like i love the process of doing it you know and I love a challenge of that kind of thing. And I would kill to write a fucking jingle. I would, if somebody hired me to write a jingle, arrowhead, <laughs> sparkling water, flavor, just a bit like whatever. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll write any old thing and be a happy boy because I don't really, I think a lot of people are very precious about their songwriting, you know? Yeah. Um, like I'm you not. just, like you just said, like you guys work with, uh, with an outside songwriter you you're working together on this stuff i know uh i think doc also um worked with uh with sahaj on something i don't remember if it was bad wolves related but um i don't, I don't know i don't know i i i just uh i might be crazy maybe it was for some- oh god damn it i'm such a fucking idiot uh so it was the maytal cohen album so it was it was the other way around because he was sahaj produced it and was writing a lot of the songs and brought in some outside songwriters for that. And yeah. I actually wrote a riff that wound up turning into a song on the Maytal album. Um, okay. 
so me and Doc have credits on on the same album, even though we were never in the same room at the same time. It's um, funny, like Doc and, Doc gets a lot of writing. I know he's done he's done some writing for Josta's solo solo mm-hmm. band. I know he wrote some stuff for um uh Body Count. But that's all. I was. I don't know why I was. I was like, it's not Public Enemy. What's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote some stuff for Body Count. You know, he's wrote some stuff for Maytall. Um, and it's funny because when I hear those songs, because I've known Doc since like 2009, I hear those songs. I'm like, oh, that's that. That's the Coil riff right there. You know, <laughs> like he definitely has. He definitely has his own flavor, and that's something I've been trying to get into more. Because when um, I wrote probably 30 ideas for uh, the third bad wolves record that we're working on mm-hmm. um and i know they're not great i got one riff <laughs> in one song so we'll have to see if it makes it to the record um but i've been trying to get more into into songwriting and song structures because uh, being not cl- i guess classically trained in in playing guitar or bass or even songwriting for that matter, I, I, I tend to kind of, I don't know, either something goes on too long, not long enough, it doesn't fit. I'm, I'm not really great at writing um, song structures. Mm-hmm. So with the time off that we've had, you know, I've upgraded my, my studio. My, my studio is my home I bedroom. S- I see a Native Instruments keyboard to your left. Is that Native Instruments? Yes, it is. It's the Complete Control um, 48. I have the 25 key one, and that is outrageous and stupid that I could see this much of it and know that. And that, <laughs> it's that's why I, get, I love it. That's why I get to have this sign. But yeah, it it's you got to have that kind of shit. And like, well, it's I mean, all, like know? I have the you know I have the Apogee duet, and then mm-hmm. honestly, I don't give a fuck when anybody says this little son of a bitch, the uh, Rupert oh, yeah. and Di. Like yes. I love this thing. What what has somebody spoken ill of it? They said like, oh, I can't hear the difference. I'm like, well, uh, you know, I have I have I have the preamp inside the duet, which I wanted the apogee, I wanted the apogee preamp, but I wanted the Neve transformer that's inside mm-hmm. this. And honestly, um, if it came down to it, my DI tracks that I've sent to um, you know, our producer, or if I've done stuff, you know, um, with with Max. The he said that my DI is good enough to put on a record, so yeah. at least I'm like okay. I know that my signal chain is at least good it's enough good quality, to be. Yeah, and yeah, these yeah. days, you know, like how often is somebody tracking guitar amp sounds rather than a DI and then reamping it later? Like some people do that, um, but it's pretty rare. And either way, it's pretty likely that you're taking a DI. So the main thing that you have to worry about when you're tracking is getting a really good quality DI. And so if you cheap out on the fucking DI box, um, the whole sound is going to suffer. Like, so it's good. Yeah. That's if your producer's telling you that, then fuck yeah. Like do it. Well, and also because for the longest time, I don't even fuck. I don't even know how long I had the Scarlet, the focus, right? Scarlet two I two. Yep. And I remember when I switched from the 2i2 to the Apogee Duet, I was like, holy shit. Like, it was literally night and day yeah. for me, anyway. Some people say that they can't tell the difference, but I really could. Because I, I, and I even did like a sample of DIs. And just the clarity in the low end, because I mean, dude, we tuned to, there's some songs on the new record that are fucking tuned to, to drop E. 
you know? <laughs> so having that clarity, especially in the low end, that's where, that's where I'm really noticing, you know, where, um, the, the RNDI and the Apogee really come into play is when you're getting into fucking drop Z territory. Like we are, our standard tuning is open G. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> really open G. On a yeah, seven so string? G, yeah, GC. So it's the Devin Townsend tuning pretty much. I think it's wow. GC, GC, G, C, G, F or something. I don't yeah, remember. I didn't know um, that. That's cool. So when I would record low tune stuff on the focus right, now it might work for, for Misha and those guys, um, but when I'm recording super low tuned active bass, I was, I, there was no way I couldn't peak the focus right. It was just always like I'd literally the, have to turn it down almost all the way, but then I'd have no signal. I would the, no um, signal whatsoever. The uh original <clears throat> focus right um Scarlets had a a problem. Like they that was a, a major problem. Like they w- literally were not they were too hot. There was no way to not make them. I think I probably have one of those then because because they yeah they fixed that later on. The re- the recent ones are. I get a recall. A what the fuck? I, don't, I know. You know when when, I know. when when my airbag doesn't work in my car, they they let me know. They send me a recall notice. Like that's true. I'm Although not. nobody's gonna die from a shitty di. <laughs> you I you guess. never know. <laughs> Where's the rare? Is the regulation? Where was the government <laughs> in all of this? You're right, though. It's kind of bullshit. Um, so yeah, and I, when I when I switched over, and then of course everybody in my band got a universal audio one, and I was like, God, everybody got the. <laughs> The UI um, or the UA, and I was and I was picking between the Universal Audio Arrow and the and the and the Apogee Duet, and I had asked a few producers and I asked a few audio files, and they were like, "All right, if you want the the one that sounds better is the Apogee, but the one that comes with more shit that is useful is the Universal Audio." But he's like, "If you really want to be nitpicky, they're not that different, but it's if you put them." Head to head, in my opinion, I had heard, you know, from other other sources, um, they're like, I think the Apogee sounds better. So I was like, okay, I'll get the Apogee. I mean, there you go. Uh, Ain't nothing wrong with that. If you're smart enough, and I mean, I guess this has really nothing to do with smarts, but if you're crafty enough, I'm and I use MacBook and and stuff like so I'm using Logic as well. Like you can get pretty far with certain lo- Logic plugins. I mean, the Alchemy uh, plugin for synths and stuff. Like you can get pretty, pretty, pretty close. Because I've been doing a lot of uh, like the songs that I've been writing. I decided I didn't. Um, I got burned out on writing metal metal riffs and low tune guitars. So I've been doing a lot of synth stuff. You know, like uh, fucking. Riding a Ferrari, fucking Lamborghini Testarossa <laughs> in the desert uh-huh. at night with the top down, fucking eighties shit. So, um, like my own. Writing... What was that? Do you know my own? No, the music I don't. of my own. Oh, bro, you just described Bruh. it. You're gonna love it. I'll send All it right. to you later. Yeah, send it to me. But you know, I've been listening to stuff like uh, you know, Dance with the Dead, a lot of the newer Weekend stuff. Um, oh, what's what's that fucking Scandroid? I've been listening to him. Midnight Danger, uh, Von Kaiser, you know, a lot of the synthwave bands, uh, FM84, stuff like that. And uh, for some reason, I was just like, how am I just like figuring this out in like in the last year is when I've discovered synthwave. And I and I'm not going to lie, I was definitely one of those guys who was just like, you know, 
you know, electronic music has no fucking soul. And then I'm like, I actually kind of like electronic music a little bit more now than, than, than metal guitars. So, um, yeah, I've just been, I've been plucking around with alchemy on logic and I've been able to get some pretty decent tones. You Um, know, people, uh, that whole thing like grew out of like, the attitude was basically super fucking ignorant rock and roll dudes who were afraid of being replaced yeah. by synthesizers. But when you sit down and play with a synth for a little while, especially like a real ass analog synth, which yeah. I'm, I am not proficient in, but I uh, don't have it out here anymore. But like I, I got one of the Behringer, uh, the, uh, the Model D, which is like a, a Minimoog clone. Okay. And yeah. it's $300. Ooh. Rather than like a real Minimoog is like 3000 Okay. Like, so for a tenth of the price, you get 97% of the same sound. Yeah. Um, and you start playing with it and start learning about it. And you realize that like a synth is actually the ultimate instrument. Like, Whereas um, a guitar, a, a bass, a piano, like they're beautiful, wonderful things, but they're extremely limited. Like the, you can't control that many parameters of how a guitar is going to sound. Yeah. A synthesizer, not a, not a sample library or a sampler or something that's meant to sound like a fake version of something else but a synthesizer a real synthesizer that starts with you know uh like oscillators and and then you manipulate it with all these different things like it's so outrageously powerful and unique and like that you start to like kind of start to flip the other way that you're just like man these all these other instruments are kind of like limited and old-fashioned seeming even though like we think of synthesize the sound of synthesizers being like super like 80s and nine and that's because like for a while they thought that they could replace the orchestra with with synthesizers in movies (laughs) and so they're the people were using them to try to imitate like a a sound of a symphony but that's not really what it what it is you know instead it's like this its own beautiful crazy powerful thing and it's a bottomless rabbit hole like oh absolutely i have very very intentionally withheld myself from going too far down because you know i have some friends who are like starting to get into like modular synths and then it's all yeah. over that's your whole bank account you're fucking done like you know yeah. you see some i don't, don't want to get that far i want to get to the point like, where there's like the what is it like the the yamaha dx7 i'd love to have one of those i would love to have like a uh like a obx or, or ox7 or something yeah um you know, and uh, there's there's probably like four four like real synthesizers I would love to have, but finding any of those, like if I just wanted those four synths and I got the real ones, um, it would be like ten thousand yeah. dollars. I don't want to go the modular route though. I mean, I know a guy who um he was actually the um he was the A and R for Calium Strings for a while. Uh, Chris Cardone. Oh yeah. He C3. has a guitario. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Guy. He has, well, he has Luigi's, uh, uh Luigi's, uh, modular now. Yeah. I've, I've seen that a bit. Um, and I, I definitely don't want to get into that rabbit hole. 
but I would definitely, there's actually a synth place, I could probably throw a rock to it, uh, right by my house called Cunt, uh, Custom, I just said Cunt. You just said Cunt. <laughs> cunt. It's Custom called Cunt? V- yeah, it's it? called Cunt. Uh, which is funny because it's Austra- uh, the owner is Australian. Oh. <laughs> uh, custom custom vintage keyboards okay. is is like right down the street from my house, and unfortunately because of um, because of COVID nineteen, they don't allow anyone to come into the showroom right now. But like you walk into that showroom and it's just just wall to wall, floor to ceiling, like everything you'd ever want in uh, in an analog synthesizer, and I mean. It is really a very deep rabbit hole because I've I've been wanting to go with some plugins that were um, more workflow positive because when you get into alchemy, I'm really sitting there and like tweaking stuff for, I mean, sometimes it could take me 30, 40 fucking minutes just to get a bass or a pad or a lead that I want. And then it's, and then I completely forget the idea that I had to begin with or so I would have to like figure it out on something something yeah. that's like that's not really what I want but here's the initial idea let me find the sound for it so I've been looking into um uh I'm gonna wait for the Black Friday sale for the Arturis because they have the um the I think it's like the collection was it? it's like the synth collection seven or something and it's all those and it's actual um it's not like uh, like built uh, like, what is how did someone describe this it's actual samples of the synths it's not like trying to sound like it it's the actual synthesizer so um i've heard arturus has some really 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 good stuff and i've actually used a few of their samples finding tones i was like oh this is exactly what i want you know and they also obviously have a, a preset uh preset drag down but you can also just have the keyboard as it would be if it was right in front of you and it has all the exact same knobs. It's just yeah. on a, in your digital workstation as opposed to, you know, an entire wall of synthesizers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's what helped me a lot is like understanding. Uh, I say understanding. I don't really understand. I understand. Does anybody understand since starting to, some people do actually one of my really good friends rob rosen who runs a rosen sound is the um one of the uh, maybe the biggest synth repair guy in the la area at this point well you have you have Um, ken rich you have custom vintage i've never heard of rob rob rosen uh you should check it out he's it's the same like you just described the wall-to-wall crazy shit he like he fixes uh um Bruno Mars's synths and uh, Skrillex and like um, he did a whole set of chrome synthesizers for Chromeo chromed all of Chromeo's synthesizers anyway, I've seen those yeah um, and he's really good friends with Ken Rich too he talks about Ken a lot um, so anyway they uh, uh, he understands synths <laughs> so if I have a question I always ask him uh, his place is great he's also got a studio a whole recording studio Oh shit. Decked out with synths. It's dedicated to synths and you can go and like rent time in there and it's just it's all like integrated. Fucking wild. Really really cool. Um anyway, so yeah, but just understanding like a little bit, a little tiny bit of how the synthesis actually works. And because before, 
you know, I was so used to like a regular old keyboard that just has some presets and you can change mm-hmm. effects and stuff, but you can't can't really change it, you know. Yeah. But like I had to start understanding that there's like two oscillators, three oscillators, whatever. Those are the things that make the sound, like creates that's, the sound yeah, that's wave. That's what I need to figure out. All this other I, stuff. I can't figure it out. You're you're chain you're combining those oscillators, those actual tones Mm -hmm. you're combining them and different waves are going to interact differently and do weird like phase things and something called cross modulating and they're there it's like this weird alive thing it's like almost like a um a, a, a creature that does these weird things and then this other part changes those sounds like you you fuck with it you know changes what it that's what the, I really the ADSR need to get into. and all this stuff, and like I still definitely do not really understand it, <laughs> but I, but just actually I watched you know the you know the website Masterclass. Oh you, yeah 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 I uh, I got a pass to that I bought earlier this year, and there's a, a Dead Mouse one, and the way that he explains synthesizers, especially the modular ones, um, I was like oh like just made it really simple and easy to understand because he's yeah. like just really very straightforward um after you know thinking that seeing these walls of modular synths and being like how the fuck could you ever get a sound get just like does it have to go from here to there and go through all this you got to change every no it's way simpler than that actually modular synths are more simple than an all-in-one synth like the minimog because mm. you Literally, you have like you'll have one one of those units will be like an oscillator, and then another one will be like ADSR, and then another one will be like a delay, and you have to physically patch them from one to the next. So it's only what you patch from where to where that's going to do those things. And and I was like, (laughs) so you actually um, pick them as you're going. Yeah, so I remember when I joined the band Scar the Martyr, um, the all the keys and stuff were done by Chris Vrenna, who was in uh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh wow! And uh, so we had um, this guy Joey Blush, who's a New York EDM artist, um, who we hired to do a couple tours with us. And I remember, like, he had all these controllers, but all the his, of his sounds were coming from this. It looked like it was just like a little cabinet that he kept to his side and it was all of his mod like he brought his modulars on tour on tour with him oh, and yeah. i was just i just saw the cables and i was like nope i don't want anything <laughs> to do with that like i feel like i'm plugging into like an old timey like operator could you please direct me to mr whatever's house you know <laughs> hold please <laughs> yeah exactly i was like i don't i don't know what any of that shit is but it does make sense that it's actually a lot easier than like your all-inclusive your all-inclusive synthesizers because you can kind of pick what you want and if you're if you're just doing it slowly you could be like oh this oscillator does this and be like oh well this oscillator does this oh this does this because that's one thing i i have no fucking no knowledge about whatsoever is how oscillators and all that stuff where i'm just like oh i see a triangle i see a saw <laughs> i see a square <laughs> you know like 
Uh, I kind of know what those should sound like, but all the rest of the other stuff, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what this LFO, I don't know what any of this stuff is because I, when it, when I, when it comes to learning these synthesizers, honestly, I have no idea where to start other than I want it to sound like this. And there are a couple people who I'll hit up and be like, hey, what's this? How can I get that sound? And they're like, oh, okay, it's this, this, and this. And they'll send me settings or they'll do whatever. And I'll be like, oh, okay, that's what that is. But I don't actually understand how to get those sounds. So maybe I should, you know, kind of I mean, lo- look and do some videos. I think, and- honestly, I think the best thing to do is to do something like, uh, like I said, like like buy a, one of the Behringer one. I mean, I don't like giving business to Behringer because the guy who owns the company is absolutely fucking insane and anyway uh but if you're not gonna if you don't want to spend a lot of money you know um the model d that i have is outrageously good and super fun and pretty simple simple um and like just even just dicking around with it is gonna get you pretty far like watch a couple youtube videos um Mm -hmm. and like once you start to get an understanding of the signal flow inside the thing and like those concepts that i was talking about you'll start to go like oh i know what it is that i'm hearing in my head like oh it has a very slow attack and a fast release or whatever and it's got a you know um um like i need to turn uh this oscillator up an octave um i need to if i have a triangle wave and a square wave they're gonna cross modulate like this and i'm gonna get this kind of a sound and like like i said still don't like i'm saying all of these things as if i can really do that and i can't (laughs) it's more like i understand now that that's what i need to do to get that understanding of it and actually the thing that i have been using the most is a free um basically a mini moog that comes in pro tools 2020 or whatever it's uh it's made by a- a by AIR one. I can't remember what the fuck it's called I um, have the uh I have a it, this is a free one and it's a it's a Ober it's a Oberheim uh-huh. uh, plugin that you can use as a standalone or in any of your DAWs it's the OBXD and it's free oh. and it's free who makes it is it is uh, made by Oberheim or it's no, like a, is no, it an no. official I don't one know who it? makes it but if you look up OB-XD um, they they suggest okay. you do, you do a donation. Oh wow! But um, I love a I love a suggested donation. Um, but you can you can get it for free, and I'm really into the Oberheim sound right now. Uh, I don't know, just cause fucking you know Van Halen and you know, a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a really great free app, and the interface is pretty pretty close to what you would be working with on one of those one of those synthesizers and it has all of the oscillators and it has all the the other stuff in there so it can you know uh i just haven't really dived deep into it i just kind of go through the presets like oh this sounds like well, a cool bass but you know what's an advantage of learning like that is that even though a virtual synthesizer will never be quite as good as the real deal you get a real one it doesn't come with any presets that you can start from yeah you know like a virtual one will come with a bunch of presets and I find that I learn a lot from presets because 
like I don't need to know every every everything, but you know, if I know some basic settings to get like a good lead sound, you know, for melodies and what it mm-hmm. takes to make a good sounding bass, like the general idea, like attack, you know, the ADSR kind of settings to get a basic kind of sound. You know, they have like what's called the like the re-space or whatever. Like I um if I understand that and I can see it when I pull up the plugin, oh, it's got this, this, and this, or the preset, then I go, oh, okay, cool. Well, let's, uh, like, I like this, but I want a little bit more sustain out of it. I want a little bit more something. And then you tweak it from there, and then you start to understand it better. Um, whereas if you get the real one, you know, you can't save, s- the way that you save settings is by taking, taking a, a picture. picture. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i do it you know and then I, they're lost forever really because i'm I'm not gonna go all the way through all my pictures but the um yeah so i don't know i i just i think it's so cool and fascinating especially because if i hear rock music made by a band guitar bass drums vocals 99.9 percent of the time i can tell you exactly what's happening when i'm listening to it like i can i i'm not a good drummer but i can i could sit there and transcribe it I can give you like a pretty good understanding, a, a pretty good idea of what's going on. I could, you know, I could be like, okay, this is like, you know, a distorted guitar with a flanger on it or whatever. When yeah. I listen to EDM, I have next to no goddamn idea what's going on. Like, I'm just like, this sounds cool. And somebody sat there and tweaked a synth of some kind to get this sound. And no one's ever heard it before, and you'd probably be very hard pressed to get exactly that sound ever again. Yeah, and that's really interesting and unique to me. So, you know, like I went to music school. I have a music degree. I took your training classes, and I can't turn it off. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> once you turn it on, is once you, you turn it on, no there's way. no going back. Like you can't close that door again. Like I hear chord progressions going by, and I'm like, that's a that's a Lydian mode. That's a four chord. That's the you know um that's yeah. a uh, harmonic minor whatever like and it, it's like that's cool and it's really useful especially as a songwriter because I can yoink stuff I can yoink ideas and like be like oh that's a really qu- interesting chord progression whatever but I I can't tell you shit about s- what sounds I'm hearing when it comes to <laughs> electronically produced music and yeah. um, but I, I, I really like that, though, because I feel like, you know, you can kind of get like a basis of something that you want and then you can tweak it just enough to where it's just like, oh, that's like my sound. And you, you know, you can use, you know, quote unquote, your sound as much as you want. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's just it's more maybe it's more personal, you know, because, I mean, you can get your sound on guitar or bass or whatever, but to the untrained ear you they might not be able to tell the difference between like oh this is my bass tone or like oh this is somebody else's bass tone they might not be able to hear the, the subtle differences or the tonal it w- qualities yeah but it with won't synthesizers, be different yeah but with synthesizers it's a lot you that's audibly you know audibly different than like oh this is kind of like this but then i tweak this 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 and this and now it's you know something audibly completely different than what you started with yeah and there's also basically infinite bandwidth like you can um so if you're using a proper analog synth okay any knob is 
continuous versus like discrete. Okay. If you're using it, anything digital, you're looking at ones and zeros. Okay. So it's, even if it's not notched or something, it's not an analog continuous change yeah. from zero to 10. Okay. On an analog synthesizer or, or an analog pedal or whatever, it's hypothetically a continuous analog change, which means from zero to 100 or 10 or whatever, there's an actually an infinite amount of, a variation because yeah because any point there there isn't a point on any of them it's just a continuous amount of change right and then you combine that one parameter with a second parameter of continuous infinite change any combination of those two things there's a already like a, practically an infinite amount of different combinations of different places you could have those two knobs and yeah. then that's just two knobs right yeah yeah yeah. and then like times however many waveforms there are six yeah. combining two different oscillators like that just combining two different oscillators right with yeah. two different waveforms in different variations different octaves and then all the different things you can do you could find your own sound it's like no uh what is it no man's sky right yeah, yeah perpetually yeah. generated infinite universes like but with synthesizers but with with sound and you so you could find your own sound and take a fucking picture when you get there (laughs) okay jesus because you could find your sound you could ease you could in four minutes find a sound on a synthesizer that no one has ever heard in the history of time and will never find again if you don't take a goddamn picture and it could be yours you could be like this is the one now if it's gonna whether or not it's gonna be any good yeah, yeah, yeah. Is another honestly, story. Even, even if even if you take a picture, if you're a sea hair off on any of those knobs, it's not going to sound the same whatsoever. So it's like you kind of need to like mark it on the actual on the actual keyboard itself. Yeah, um, and like you know, you gotta like an analog synth. You gotta tune the thing. Like, oh, I know, the, and that's the, one thing that used to drive me crazy when 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 I was in Scar the Martyr is that like our the fucking uh, the the keyboard player. He would be like, "Oh, he'd be like, oh yeah, the 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 synth's out of tune." I'm like, "How the fuck is a synth out of tune? <laughs> How does that make sense?" Some of the older ones, you have to tune every key, like every note on the keyboard, like. And really he would be doing ones. that in real time. I'm like, the, bro. Yeah, the like mini Moog. You you know, there's it's one tuner per oscillator, and like I think you know if it's like it has to do with the weather and shit. I mean. Whatever. Like, I like, was like, I guitar's was like, I got thought, its own. I thought the reason problems. why keyboards were there, so you don't have to tune them like a guitar. <laughs> but it's like even even most guitars I have stay in better tune than some of those fucking analog synths. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it, like that's that's really cool. And I, personally, the addition of keyboards to a rock metal uh, band sound is I think part of the way to get a really unique sound these days because the dude the the level of production that we have hit is outrageous. You can get amazing sounding shit um comparatively very easily, okay? You can yeah. like, you know, it's sort of down to a science to be honest, like the like good quality production. Like we're we're like really getting um there isn't a huge amount of variation anymore because they yeah. figured out what sounds awesome for heavy music. Um, but 
the using synthesizers sampled sounds like uh i have a huge library of of sample libraries at this point and i love 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 them because you can find really unique stuff that's really where the unique part is is starting to come in and i think uh, a lot of dudes who like who are like metal metal guys you know they're like oh synthesizers oh man like but you know there's always one of those guys I was a metal elitist when I was in high school. <laughs> Death oh, metal or nothing. <laughs> uh, you you get it's fine. Everybody has to start somewhere and grow. But like the re- I think uh, I see a lot of bands integrating this kind of stuff as they move forward because if you if it's just guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, there's only kind of so much unique original sound that you can have. I mean, there there's kind of a lot, but if you're playing heavy music, I think it's actually a, a much smaller variation. So, yeah. and if you don't do that, a lot of guys are just getting into these wild big pedal boards with effects and stuff, and it's kind of trying to achieve a similar thing. But yeah. but yeah, like I think you can really uh, get a much more unique and original addition to your band by doing that kind of thing by having a cool uh new thing like finding some unique sample um like a uh i wrote a song i did like a little score for a um a cut scene from a video like i wasn't hired to do this i just did it for practice basically and i found this like free sample library of a sound and i i don't even remember what it was but it you know, something really weird, like something that you'd probably find in like a, a thrift store, like one of those kind of shitty instruments. And yeah, yeah. It, but it just fit perfectly. It sounded really cool. And it gave the whole thing a very unique flair. And like, uh, you know, you're not really going to find that on guitar. I don't know. Like guitar is my yeah. primary instrument. I love it so much. I've been playing guitar for like 24 years and well same same with bass dude like i've been playing i started playing guitar when i was 10 years old i'm 34 now i've been playing bass since i was you know bass actually playing bass since i was 18 but i honestly like i know for the most part for me i know what i need to get my tone for pretty much any any situation you know and i know a lot of you know bass elitists out there like if you're playing in a metal band and your guitar, and you're in a band with two guitar players. In my opinion, the place that I fit in the best in my band, or when I did with Devin Townsend, is if I do scoop the mids because I am the bass player. You want to have that, you know, higher 5.5 clank, and you want to be in there around the 100. Once you start getting into like 250, it starts getting muddy. Once you get into, you know, certain parts of 500 or 750, like that's not part of my tone. That's not where my bass lives because when you're in a band with low tuned guitars, that's kind of like the area that they shine the most at. So there's a lot of bass elitists out there. They're like, Oh, don't scoop the mids. I'm like, I was a don't scoop the mids guy for a long time. And my front of house guy, when I was with Vimic was just like, you guys are all living in the same fucking frequency. I can't tell you guys apart. So I just decided to, you know, move some stuff down. And I was taking, um, constructive criticism from my peers and i was like okay well for low tuned especially when you're doing you know drop e f sharp and i'm actually keeping the octave relationship between the bass and the guitar so if i'm tuning down 
to if I'm tuning down to F sharp as opposed to tuning up, or if I'm tuning down to drop E as opposed to staying standard, and I'm keeping that octave relationship between these instruments, where I fit most, where I fit best is if I scoop those mids. Now, when you're tuning that low to begin with, 250 is literally, you, I mean, I don't, I don't even care if you stand tuned to fucking standard. 250 is a fucking ugly frequency, in my opinion. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like, I'm cool with 500. I'm cool with 750. But, like, for some reason, 250 is just like, like, if it had a face, I would punch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it takes a while to to identify that kind of stuff you know it takes a lot of a lot of time a lot of experimentation and like you're saying like listening to outside people who are like paying you attention would sound better if you like, do if you did this and because it doesn't like it doesn't take me a long time to figure out like depending on the gear that i'm using what tone that i that i need to achieve to do my job in the band like it's kind of like it's easy for me now, but when I go to the synthesizer, I'm like, there is literally a, it's like a whole other galaxy when it comes to like, you know, I'm picking out songs like, oh, did you hear that bass? Like, you know, and it's, and it feels like the bass is a lot more of a predominant instrument in electronic music than it is for, say, you know, rock or metal. I mean, obviously there's, there's certain bands that have bass heavy uh, songs or there's bass heavy groups, but it's but it's not like it's not like yeah. hip hop or electronica or anything like that. Like yeah, it's, where like that's literally where the groove is in a lot of this in a lot of the uh, in a lot of the um, electronic style music. You know, rap, hip hop, EDM, synth wave, synth pop, whatever. It's very very bass driven, and the and the melody is just there to give it a little bit of sugar. You know, <laughs> I had a a big revelation moment one time. Um, I couldn't believe it. I went to, uh, oh, what's the company? Uh, some speaker, some company that makes high-end monitors, like studio monitors, right? And I went to their like product launch, and they were like, you know, try out this new set of monitors, and they were like, hey, like, uh, let's pull up some some music like tell me what you want to hear and they just went on spotify right and you know somebody pulled up like a a hip-hop song or something you know and it felt really like full and like big bass and like you know like really a lot lot of 808s and shit and then and i was like oh yeah i got you buddy let's listen to uh dimu borgir okay like we're (laughs) so i put on um what the fuck is it called it's uh progeny's the great apocalypse there you go okay that's the one after puritanical (laughs) i think it's like i think it's just one of the greatest metal songs ever written like it's the most epic shit in the world okay and it's you know a full-on metal band and then this huge orchestration and i was like for sure this is going to be way more full range than than that and they put it on and it felt so wimpy in comparison because <laughs> the bass in hip hop is immense compared yeah, to metal because the fucking kick drum is only hitting like you know so you yeah. can make it huge and fat but with double kick and fast music in metal 
if you have that, it's just going to be a goddamn mud fest. So they they fucking shovel out so much of that low end that you could otherwise have, and that kind of sucks when you think about it. You know, you're like, yeah. oh my god, like, have I not really been hearing? like feeling proper bass all of these years because I listen to metal, like thinking that it's huge, you know, but you just don't get the same, like, you know, like a dude pulls up hit the same way. It's so, it's just so massive. And it, like I said, for the, that type of music, it is definitely the driving force as opposed to like metal where it's like, you know, yeah, you feel it. And when you're at the concert, you feel it. You feel the kick drum. You can, you know, if, if your front of house is good, like our, our Robbie Brown is, you can feel that bass guitar. But the driving force of those songs is typically the guitar and the vocal. So when, 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 you know, when you have something like, you know, rock, and then you go to something like EDM or, you know, hip hop or synth, it's 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 just ridiculous how dri- how much more driving like my instrument is in all every other genre <laughs> except for the genre that I play and yeah. I and people have asked me like they're like well what made you want to get into synthesizers like why do you want to do synth pop and because that's a that's what I'm trying to do is synth pop I want it to be pop music but I want it to be you know, electronically driven and, you know, I'm going to use my knowledge that I've gained over the last however many years as a musician and put that towards having good bass lines and decent melodies and stuff like that. And I was just like, it's basically just because like the instrument that I prefer to play and that I'm the best at playing, uh, you know, as opposed to like guitar or ukulele or whatever is the, is literally the almost the focal point of the songs. I mean, yeah, you know, you have your, there's, you know, you have your vocal synth pop and, and, you know, your, your melodies, but the, the backbone of the actual songs in that genre is the bass, is the bass instrument itself. Yeah. And, um, I think it's, it's just a funny matter of perception where we think of like bass being such a huge because I think it, if you do, if you fuck up the bass guitar in a metal production, you you fucked yourself because it's it is incredibly important. Have like I always tell people like if you put new strings on your bass, you and you smack the living shit out of it for the recording, and you really play it really, real real good, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a good sounding album. Like everything else can be can. Uh, everything else is really important, but the guitars have become a lot less important if you really fucking do the bass right. Um, yeah. But one thing that I've noticed is the instruments that are low instruments in a metal and rock mix, the kick drum, the like floor toms, and the bass is, as opposed to those other electronic driven um things that we're talking about they're they have to have a ton of definition in the high end for them Mm -hmm. to stick out in the mix you get a clicky kick drum you get you get a clanky bass Bass and that's how it works because if you only had that low like the the sub part of it you would get nothing you wouldn't your, your brain you're basically tricking your brain into hearing that low end by adding a high end like like a, a a signal 
of yeah. being like the kick drum is hitting now and then you notice that it also has low something like that i don't know it's a uh, psychoacoustics which i am not, <laughs> you know yeah, once yeah, again yeah. not really that qualified to speak on but other genres don't really have that like the bass in hip-hop sounds like a bass like it might have some kind of high end on it but the bass is the bass it's down in that like 100 hertz you're talking about like yeah it's in between like 50 hertz and 120 hertz yeah and because it can stand on its own in that range it doesn't need this high-end thing to be like a signifier that it's happening you know yeah and um yeah and you know you hear somebody pull up next to you at the stoplight when they've got the you know the big ass sound system with the subs and everything and you you know you feel it rattle your car yeah they're never listening to pantera you know like they're listening to to hip-hop and like the producers think are thinking of that in advance and they're you know they're gonna but i also notice the guys that do have the big sound system and that listen to metal they're more prone to actually blowing their speakers because they're low end the like the instruments that are giving them the low end also have they have the aggressive low end but they also have an aggressive high end yeah so like those those clanky kick drums like those those are just gonna beat up your speakers and you know a lot of guys um when when you're doing the bass you know they'll say like you know the low end is around 100 hertz 120 hertz and you know some guys are up to 10k with the clank on uh on 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 bass guitars and recording so it's just like you know you're putting your speaker through a lot <laughs> when now when your low end source only has the source of low end and not the top end i don't think it's as um detrimental to your speakers i could be completely fucking wrong but I mean, I've always, I mean, all the dudes I know who listen to metal real loud with their massive speaker systems were going through speakers at least oh, wow. a decent amount. You know, I think it's funny that we, when we talk about this, like, we think of, uh, I don't know, guitar as being extremely important. Um, but the bass is the most full frequency uh, of the two. Like, like you're saying, like, uh, you know, when you, have a good bass tone you have to worry about all of it you have to worry about the low end the mids the high end like and it's yeah that clank is going all the way up like whatever like pretty high depending like i don't know i think we don't go above 5.5 what's the last slider on your uh, on on the dark glass you know um (laughs) yeah uh, but it's yeah i mean it's and then but guitar is incredibly narrow like comparatively like you'll have like you have to worry a bit about the hundred uh you know like the the Andy Sneap C4 trick is uh the you know you the, um multiband compressor you put it on the 100 cuz that's where when you palm mute it's going to fart out or not um mm. but the um uh but like a guitar sp- speaker the whole thing is that it's uh incredibly comparatively narrow like the high end that you get out of a guitar speaker is is very rolled off and if you've ever plugged a guitar amp or a modeler or something in without a cab sound on it with a high gain sound you immediately understand why a guitar speaker is what really defines the sound of the guitar because you play a distorted sound without a cab sound on it and it 
it's like being stabbed in the ear. It's fucking terrible. Like, I mean, same with bass. It's and it just sound. There's yeah. no definition whatsoever. I mean, I mean, if, if you're going along the lines of like modeler and then taking the cab off, it just yeah. it feels like there's a lot more top end and you lose a lot of that low end. Yeah, but it doesn't hurt quite as bad. No, and it no, doesn't. No, it it still doesn't. sounds like a. It still sounds like a bass. Um, yeah. And you'll, the guitar would sound like a weapon of ear destruction. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, like, the bass is like... I mean, I sound like I'm over here kissing your ass because you're a bass player. But, like, when we were recording our album, I paid way, way more attention to what the bass sounded like than the guitar because it has to carry so much of it. And, like, yeah. it's okay for the guitar to be really narrow because it's, like you were saying, it's very mid-focused. And that's, like, where it's gonna... Uh, where it's really obvious to be heard like that's the where human hearing kind of like focuses on is that like you know the the peter range (laughs) peter peter griffin yeah i talk like (laughs) this and everybody's gonna hear me (laughs) lois um and uh you know if it's just that it's fucking annoying but you know you fill it out with the bass (laughs) just get in there but you also have to have that clank to yeah. give a definition and shit and like it's so so goddamn important well that's when i that's when i kind of figured out where how important um for me anyway you know being you know again this is just my opinion but uh how important distortion is on bass and separating you know having a a a clean sub style um input and then having the mid high range distortion uh when i was you know back in the early 2000s listening to you know Meshuga or bands like Nemec and you know you hear you know that I mean I knew that the bass was distorted but then when the guitars go by themselves you're like oh that's really not that heavy but when you put it in context with the distorted bass and it kind of just grabs on to that guitar tone and it just it makes it that much heavier. So I was like, I was like, N- Nemec's guitar tone isn't really that heavy, but it's in conjunction with the bass guitar sound that, like, I said, it just kind of blends together, and it just it just turns this wimpy little guitar tone into just a massive, a massive punch you in the fucking nutsack guitar tone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, people don't really think about like when you're listening to a final product metal recording they're like oh that guitar sounds awesome but really what they're hearing is the guitar the bass and the kick drum working together and Uh that's what creates that impact if you take out the bass the guitars sound really wimpy most of the time now because uh you're yeah you're it's um that like super gritty top end of the bass uh is filling it out a lot and then the low end is like yeah it's the bass and the guitar working together but probably the guitar has been high passed to like whatever at least a hundred ish or something like that i don't know i don't mix so i don't know <laughs> i watch yeah, uh, i watch the experts do it a little bit and get a vague <laughs> idea you know i'm all yeah, front basic end idea same of the same. <laughs> of the recording process but yeah so like um it's yeah you gotta you gotta can't fuck around with the bass (laughs) you can't fuck around although you know i went i went kind of like 
180 like so you know the the thing that you're describing like the split in grit as i've heard it referred um having a nice clean bottom that's like super compressed probably but just like really fat and clean and then having this clanky top end that you might put through like a distortion pedal or a guitar amp or something or whatever like the the dark glass yeah. x um ultra uh, or you're saying yeah the, the x series x series of pedals like, but basically kind of what that does yeah it does it, it all in one you, and i thought that yeah. was so i was so the doug pinnock pedal excited. does it but the what the doug pinnock the doug pinnock yeah yeah the sansam doug pinnock pedal does it um, but it does not do it as well as the Dark Glass X series. So they have like three, three of those. I'm a big, big user of the X7. Um, I use the X Ultra for a while, but I prefer the proprietary pedals. Like the X7 to me is a little bit hotter and just a little bit more distinctive than the Ultra. Hmm. Uh, and that's kind of across the board, in my opinion. The Ultra pedals seem to be a lot less hot and a lot less defined. But the proprietaries like the B7K, the Vintage Deluxe, the X7, the Alpha Omega, the original, Mm -hmm. they seem to just have this more, because it's not working with a clean channel as well, they seem to just have, it seems to be more focused on what that pedal is supposed to be. So I I prefer the proprietary, uh, you know, the when they they first come out and release a new pedal, it's the big version, you know. um, without a clean channel, um, but the X7 is is right now. Uh, if I do decide to, you know, if the quad cortex works for me, and I can't get the parallax to work how I want it to work in conjunction with the rest of the quad cortex, I mean, a lot of my tone comes from the X7, my live tone anyway. Yeah, you know, and I've been very fortunate enough that. Um, you know, if you go back and listen to any of the, the Bad Wolves material, that there is a strong bass guitar on a lot of our songs, and I do, you know, I do really appreciate that as a bass player. <laughs> you know, you um, didn't just go yeah, in for just to feel good about yourself and track the thing, and then just our tech. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'm on this recording. I am really <laughs> no. You're you're like, yeah. There's Kyle. Yeah, you really. I mean, if you listen to songs like uh, like I'll Be There, and No Masters, and you know a, a few others, I'm not going to name all of them, where you can hear the bass because there's actually more than just a couple. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be you know to be heard and have a really nasty bass tone because we're yeah. dope producers. Um, but yeah, live. I mean, if the dark glass x7 didn't exist that would make my my live tone a whole lot more fucking complicated <laughs> yes it would literally have to be running two two amps or at least two different pedal chains running into two separate uh cab simulators you want to hear and, something really funny so what? i um i did a video called perfect metal bass pedal board and it uses this thing called uh, Tyler the Frequency Splitter, which is yes. basically like a crossover. Yes. Fucking yes. great pedal, right? And yeah. I, I built this whole pedal board around it. You know, I had one side that was all the stuff that's going on the sub, the compressor, the, you know, all of that. And then, like, distortion for the top end. Actually, I did use the Dark Glass uh, Alpha Omega for the, for the high end. It's great distortion. Which pedal. also has a cab sim on it. Um, it was the... It was the uh, Ultra. Yeah, it was the Ultra one that had the cab Okay, and like all this shit and like it's, I, I like had it all ready and I was going to film the video and then out comes the fucking X 
the X7. And I was like, this is literally what I just did. All that. Like, yeah, that I think the, um, the X ultra, you could, that it could be that and a tuner could be your whole rig. That's exactly what I used for Devin Townsend. Yeah. Um. So my 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 setup for Devin Townsend, I I brought a wireless, but I didn't even end up using it. My entire setup for Devin Townsend was a pedal train nano. Uh, I had a Korg tuner going into an EBS multi comp in multi band mode, going into a dark glass X Ultra, and with the cab sim on, and that went to front of house. Fuck. And that's that was literally that was literally my that was all I needed. Sounded banging to me from where I was sitting. I mean, you know. But yeah, I I did see that Tyler the splitter sound creator or whatever whatever it's called. <laughs> Tyler the it, creator. If, uh, well, you know what? I figured he, it out. So it's uh the reason it's called Tyler the frequency splitter is it's Tyler made by the creator. No, it's made by a German company, uh, KMA Audio Machines, and auf Deutsch. Teil means to split. Ah. T-E-I-L-E-R, something Tyler. And so he just he made it a guy's name, Tyler, <laughs> the frequency splitter. <laughs> now, it's if a dope really, pedal. If you're re- if you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, but I'm saying, like, if, if you don't feel that the X series of pedals is for you, that's totally fine. The next thing that, like, if you really wanted to hone in your multi-band um, type distortion the only that would literally be the only other thing that i would suggest is that pedal and then literally building your your what type of distortion you want uh what type of um you know low compression you want and low frequency you want um besides using a laptop live and using like say like the fab filter saturn plug-in um but the one thing i really love about the about the x series pedals now maybe maybe not for the the mini one but i know for the x7 and the x ultra is you have these um um high filter the 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 high pass and low pass filters and you can do so fucking much with the with the low and high pass filters i mean typically i keep the low pass filter at around 30 hertz or whatever but i mean like if you're messing around with that high pass filter you turn it up all the way it's like it's the tightest, clean distortion. It's almost like not even distorted, but it still kind of is. And then as you as you roll off that that high pass filter, like you can just see the waves getting bigger. <laughs> so you can get like a really nasty, yeah, you know, like broken speaker type type fat wave kind of saw bass. Um, tone out of it and i'm just and that's my favorite thing to fuck with when i'm just like i'm sick of my tone i don't typically want won't fuck with the graphic eq because the graphic eq is like that's where i'm living but using those low and high pass filters you can really just change your tone at like immediately like even if you're just going from i mean do i have a pedal no it's in it's in my storage i don't i typically have a keep them over here in my little little desk drawer but um just just messing with the high pass filters can even give you you know, a, a, a drastic change in, in tone. Yeah, there's a whole little universe in there. Yeah, and I mean, really, if 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 you're into distorted bass tone and hate losing low end, and you don't like the Dark Glass X series, 
you haven't fucked with it enough, in my opinion. You know, I mean, I, I've turned I've turned a bunch of guys onto the to the dark glass stuff. You know, I know that um, you know um, Dicky from Breaking Benjamin. Um, I turned him on to. You know, I think he's he's splitting his signal using a dark glass head and his axe effects now, um, just because he really liked the dark glass head that I had brought on the tour. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten, um, Brad Walst from, th- uh, Three Days Grace. You know, he's got, he's running a whole dark glass rig now. He heard my X7. He goes, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, oh, let me tell you a little something. Cause I mean, because I've, because I've been in the, in the low tuned, you know, bass playing world and I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It did start with me copying a lot of stuff from, you know, that I had heard from Adam Nolly get good. But because anytime Dark Glass came out with a new product, I would I would literally buy it, you know, and I would learn as much about how the product worked and what frequencies did what just to try to get my tone to be better every time something came out. Because, you know, my my favorite tone of all time before the X7 was using a B7K uh, as my quote unquote clean channel and then throwing a fucking B3K in front of it. And that's where I got my distortion from. So I was using, you know, I was proprietarily using the blend features on the B7K to keep that low, like non-affected low end on my quote unquote clean channel. And, but also using the, the gain features that come with both pedals and again, the blend feature, so I can still keep that low, that low, clean, unaffected bass signal, but having the nasty, dirty distortion. That's always been that's always been my thing. So now that you know, Dark Glass has come between where Dark Glass has come from, you know, the 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 B three K and B seven K to where now where they're at with the the X series pedals. Like I've just always been, I always learned about what these pedals do and how to use them for, for any of the situations that I was in. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I'm like, you know, I know everything there is about dark glass pedals, but when it comes to somebody who doesn't work for the company, (laughs) I literally have everything that they've ever made and I know how to use it in conjunction, not only with each other, but with other pedals as well. So when, you know, guys like, you know, Brad Walsh from Three Days Grace, they asked me like, oh, hey, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool. This is what your normal bass tone is. You would do well with the Ultra Series. And I was like, but if you want some of the nasty, you know, let me show you this X too. And, you know, he got a head. I think he's got some cabs now. Um, but he got a lot of pedals. And then, you know, I mean, you know, people might hate me for this. And I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a big Nickelback fan, a big Nickelback supporter as well. But I, I actually got wrong Mike with Kroger. That. I got I actually got Mike Kroger on Dark Glass. Um, wow! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kruger. That's how you say the last name. Is it really Kruger? Kruger? Yeah, it's Kruger. Oh, we've all been saying uh, it wrong forever. I mean, I've been calling Chad Kruger, uh, Chad Kruger the Krog for I don't I don't even know how long. But uh, well, it's like uh, yeah, you know uh, Matt from Trivium. His last name is yeah. Hafey. Oh, is it Hafey? Hafey. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, went- that makes sense with how it's spelled. But I guess you know Hefey. But I think most people, I think pretty much everybody says he says hefe, and then yeah. like I I had to I shot a video of I went down to his place in Florida and shot some video with him, and he was like Matt Hefe, and I was like, hmm. let me stop you right there. <laughs> you're well, saying your name it. wrong. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> excuse me, sir. You're saying, dude. I mean, I've uh, got um I've got all the all the dark glass. I which one don't I have? 
I don't have the smallest uh, X pedal, the little one, yeah, and yeah. I don't have a B3K. But I, yeah, I've got all that shit. I think, I and I think that I think the X Ultra is is the pinnacle for me. For a rig in a box, that is literally the go-to. Now, if you have nothing else. an outside source, I mean, if you have like an element because they have the the cab simulator out now, which right. I think is fucking amazing, the way that they did that, where you can load five pre-selected IRs and switch through them. You know, actually, I, don't, that, I haven't that, tried that one yet. Forgot about um, that. It, it's great. It's great. Um, but I mean, for a rig in the box, if you literally just want to show up to a show with just your bass guitar and a tuner, and that, and one pedal that does everything, I mean, you really can't get any better than the than the X-Ultra. Yeah. It has a clean channel, it has a dirty channel, it has a cab simulator. Like, what more do you need? That's literally two fucking pedals, and you're good to go. I think the only danger, I think, and this is like a very uh, zoomed-out view of music production in general is what happens is when you get something that's that fucking good, everybody starts using it and then everybody starts sounding kind of the same. Now, what's great about the X ultra is that you, or the the X series is that you skip a lot of bullshit to get to the place where you sound like everybody else. Anyways, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people are going to wind up there with the long, taking the long route of having, doing so much work to split their signal like dude i interviewed billy sheehan for uh for um (laughs) sons of apollo and he was he told me this all this the whole story of the evolution of his bass tone okay like using the gibson neck pickup and the p bass pickup and wiring two outputs and sending one to a bass amp one to a guitar amp like like back in the day you had to do that kind of shit and he's like now i use a helix and i do everything in there and that's it and it's done yeah and like Great. And then even in the heat, like using a Helix, using a model or something, you know, you're using all kinds of parallel processing and boop, 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 boop. Like you get the X7 or the X Ultra, whatever, you're done. Like it does all of that internally. And it seems like yeah. fucking low hanging fruit. For the longest time, I was like trying to figure out how to make a pedal. Like I was like, I got to go to somebody and have them make me a pedal that does this. And then out comes Dark Glass. Yeah. Now, well, the thing that I showed you or that I was talking about before, the perfect metal pace <laughs> pedal board for bass. What's cool about doing that sort of a thing using Tyler, the frequency splitter or something similar, and then choosing each of the different elements, you can get a more unique sound. Like, for example, you could use a fuzz pedal as your distortion for your top Mm -hmm. end. You could use a different kind of compressor that has a different flavor. You could use um, you could use a fucking metal zone as your distortion. You really wanted to. Yeah. For when you're using the dark glass thing you you've got the distortion that they've chosen in there and it sounds like yeah. the fucking breath of god it's amazing like I, yeah I'm, well with with the high pass filter that's what i'm saying you can go from a massive a massive big wave nasty snarling distortion mm-hmm. to to i don't i don't even know if this is like if this makes sense but a clean and pristine distortion yeah well you just you know? get that little zing on the top yeah. end yeah yeah I mean, me and Jacob Umans- me and Jacob Umansky from Intervals, we set our X, our X sevens, pretty close, and I can tell you, his he sounds way better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, he plays in a genre where, like, 
not only can you hear the bass, but there, you know, there's some, like, it's, it's athletic, you know, it's important yeah. that, it, you know, there's no, it's instrumental, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. instrumental, you gotta, like, what every instrument is doing is very, very important, and so yeah. he can stick out a lot more. Yeah. Especially with the shit that he's playing. He has playing. better finger tone than I do. That's well, all. he's a <laughs> he's a fucking freak of nature. He's amazing. actually I, I've been getting I've been getting bass lessons from him. He actually he, te- really? he texted me while we've been in the while we've been in the podcast, because um, we do our lessons every Wednesday. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I've been I've been getting I've been getting lessons from him because I'm self taught when it comes to music. Uh, I took a couple of lessons. Um, when I was playing guitar, I was taking I was taking guitar lessons, but all I wanted to do was learn how to sweet pick, so I didn't care about anything else. <laughs> so I didn't remember any of it. But I, was I should send you my lessons. my sweet picking uh, course, <laughs> or not course? My uh, uh, yeah, I have a course. Anyway, I'll send it to you. Um, You'll please do. So I was getting guitar lessons from um, AJ Manette, who's uh-huh. the original guitar player from the Human Abstract. And I remember I didn't re- I didn't remember anything else because all I wanted to learn was the sweet pick like he did. And I mean I can still sweet pick pretty well, but uh, <laughs> but I never retained any of the stuff that he had taught me. So getting into you know quarantine and lockdown and not touring, I uh, I was like you know what there's two things I've always wanted to be better at and singing and I want to be a I want to be because it doesn't seem to be a rock bass player like you know an arena rock style bass player who's also really fucking good at playing bass not just for metal but for you know a bunch of different genres and Jacob Emansky to me seems to be that guy he's very he's very diverse he's so fucking smart with all this shit too he's an amazing bass player and he just uh, I think he went to uh fuck Berkeley yeah, 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 yeah. I think he went to Berkeley. He's um, he's a guy who uh is not an asshole for having a six string bass. No. And he's not an asshole in general either. He's like the sweetest fucking most talented. I just mean like he actually needs it and uses it. Like you're like Yeah, yeah, totally. He's one of the only guys where I'm like, you know, are you are you really doing I mean that's why I switched from using the, the Dingwall uh, five strings to four strings. I don't need that fifth string, dude. I don't. Not for what I've been playing. Save a I couple mean, bucks like, on each pack of strings. Yeah, like I mean, there's one song where I need that high string. One song. I can think of one song in all of the Bad Wolves recorded material that I've needed that high string. It's one song, and that's it. But. So I just decided I was like, all right, this is I need I want to do this. I want to become more proficient. I want to learn more theory and and I know my because I play with a pick, I've never really focused on my my finger techniques and like that's the big problem for me right now and originally when I started doing lessons with Jacob, I just wanted to maybe get to know a little bit more of music theory and understand it a little bit more. And then I really wanted to get into like the double thumping like techniques. I want, I kind of want, I do kind of want to get rid of the pick because I feel like everything that I, I want to do, like I, because right now I play with a pick and then when I'm not playing with a pick, the pick goes into my mouth and I'm slapping, but my slap technique is terrible. Um, Slap I mean, sounds, sounds so good with metal, though. Like it's so yeah. aggressive and awesome. If you can fucking do it, like Evan Brewer, like you'll have a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah, and he's another double thumb guy as well. So I'm just like, why? Why? I, I let me get rid of the middleman. Like let me, you know, do this, do this, or you know, do my slap stuff. 
And I just kind of want to come, not that it's like, you know, I have to come out of quarantine being a bass player, a better bass player than I was, but I feel like I would, it would I would be doing a disservice to myself if I didn't at least, you know, apply a few things to make myself a better musician, not only for my band, but for me as a player. You know, this year has been, has been uh, as shitty as it's been, the beginning of this year has been the best fucking year of my career. I've been so fucking lucky. I've been so fortunate. You know, I got to play with one of my fucking idols, you know, Devin Townsend. I got to, uh, you know, I got to fucking go on tour with one of my favorite thrash metal bands, Megadeth. You know, I got to play and experience so many different things with so many different great artists and people that I idolize. You know, I feel like I would really be doing myself a disservice to not be the very best bass player Kyle that I can be because I want to continue to do this and I want to continue to grow and I want to continue to be able to play with people who I think are way fucking out of my league. Like when we- I don't know why Wes Houck has this fucking bass player hard on for me and I really appreciate it. But he's like, <laughs> he said, like, it's all over my, my Instagram and Facebook. He's just like. Best bass player in rock and roll, right there. And I'm like, I don't fucking know who you're watching, but it sure is fucking. Well, isn't you're doing me. something right then. That's great. Nobody's calling so, me for a bass gig. Nobody's calling me for any gigs at all. That's for goddamn sure. But so, like, it's but I, you. You you know what to do. You you know what you know. Wes is always saying like, does it have what it takes? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, does is or he says like, this has what it takes. That fucking yeah. cracks me. Wes is hilarious. Uh, but I love Wes. But he, you know, he he has no reason to fucking give you the reach around if he doesn't mean it. So like, no, I know, uh, and I just, like, but we're I, but I know exactly what critics. you're saying. Like the there is, there are levels. Like there's, you know, you don't want to say you don't want to think about like, oh, this guy's better than me or this, but like, you there are levels, and I'm I also wish that I. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to level up and spend the time to learn like that. And it's amazing that you're taking the time to like, to be like, I want to get there. Like a lot of people yeah. never have that ambition at all. And like, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm kind of doing that do with more composing, cool shit, you know? Yeah. I just want to do um, like, like I felt like, uh, you know, I was good enough, you know, Wes gave me, you know, a good enough, um, you know, good enough recommendation to be able to do this stuff with Devin Townsend. I was like, I, st- I like if Bad Wolves isn't doing something, like I still want to go and play with you know other other cool bands. Yeah. Like I want to keep myself as busy with music as possible. I mean, you know, when there isn't a lockdown or quarantine and no gatherings can happen. I mean, dude, I have three jobs. I have the band. I work for a music production company, and I also do IT for trade shows. So it's like I want to be able to not have to hump cases around town when I'm not on tour and I don't want to, you know, I mean, actually I probably would still do the IT shit because as crazy as it gets, it's fucking fun. And I love the people (laughs) that I work with doing it. But, you know, I want to be able to make my life and living off of being able to be like this fucking dead tree with some metal strings back here. Like that's how I make my living in my hands. Of course. uh, uh, Yeah. You know, there's uh... It's definitely probably a lot more fun than humping cases, like you're saying. Yeah. And if you can do it, then why not, right? It's yeah. You know what I realized is a lot of the people that I know who are gigging musicians and do it for a living, aside from the fact that right now that they're 
completely fucked, which sucks really badly. But they, guys who can who get the call to do the gig for any genre and whatever, they front loaded so hard. They they leveled up early on and yeah. and and put themselves out there to play this kind of shit. They were playing, doing gigs all the time, just taking whatever they could get and like learning everything so that they would be a weapon. And then then they kind of they get to that level and they can do that kind of thing um for example uh my friend anthony um crawford um is like played with alan holdsworth like he's he's oh, outrageously shit. good he plays yeah. in the band Wh- witherfall um okay. and uh because he because he'll do whatever you know he's just he's just a beast and incredibly sweet man like really crazy good but like he just like he got to a ridiculous level very early on and now he can do anything you know he's on this level very very high level and yeah. i didn't do that and so now i'm 36 and if i want to level up it's gonna like i don't have that kind of time to be spending eight hours a day in a practice room like when i was at berkeley like yeah. if i want to if i want to hard level up like what you're talking about i need that kind of time and it sounds like 2020 has afforded you the opportunity which is like uh yeah well to do that and and that's i honestly kind of envy you in that sense because i would rather i want to i want to do that i want to take lessons from dudes and i want to level the fuck up and it sounds like i mean you know i've been doing that but i've also been trying to do stuff that you know guys like you and you know fucking represent davy 504 um (laughs) you know have been doing for a really long time and uh you know i'm not haven't been consistent with it which is why when you asked you're like hey is this audio or is it just video and i was like well this is i didn't tell you this when we were messaging but i was like you know this is kind of like a milestone podcast because i'd had a podcast four years ago and i never made it to the 12th episode so having you as my 12th episode and also being a guy who has you know kind of made his mark on the world via youtube and stuff like that i figured might as well just fucking post this episode up am i going to do more episodes like this i don't know probably not only one way to find out (laughs) yeah you know and i just i just figured you know i i started i (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i kind of have half-assed everything um that i've picked up as a hobby in quarantine except for the podcast and except for for playing bass like the whole like right now like filming another playthrough video or a, a cover video it that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't feel good for me and i and i made a list i i made a list video which i thought came out really shitty so i'd compl- i scrapped it completely and i'm probably never going to put it out because i didn't like the way that you know it looked or whatever yeah um but I've just been kind of not really focusing on the YouTube side of things and, you know, and all the podcasts that I've done over, over the break as well is, you know, to be a musician now is you kind of have to be guys like yourself. You know, you have to be, you have to be um, a guitar player. You have to be an engineer. You have to be a videographer. You have to be able to editing videos. And I mean, my video editing skills are very, very like minuscule. Like I know how to edit, but you know, I don't know how how I would have been able to edit my list video because I, I'm literally sitting there for, you know, I think, ugh, 27 minutes talking about like, you know, I, I did a I, I called it budget bass rigs and I picked three bass guitars that were under three hundred dollars and I picked three bass amps that were under three hundred dollars. And just the way that I set it up and it was like 
I did it in order, but I would forget something that I had talked about in a, on a previous instrument. I'd be like, oh, okay. So then I was going back and forth like, oh, you forgot that you need to put this over here now. And I was just turning into a fucking shit show. So maybe I just need to have a better way to, you know, uh, f- focus my ideas when it comes to making a list video because I fucking love well, list videos. You I don't should, know why. I mean, that sounds like a video that will do really well. And I think you should do it. I think you should do it over if you're, if you need to or whatever. I think, I, like, I think I'm going to do it over it'll... and I'm going to have like a list of, I, I, I think I need to have at least a notepad in front of me that has the basic ideas of what I want to talk about for each piece. Couldn't because I, I do go into depth on, on, you know, where they stand in the quality of instrument. You know, I do everything from, I think it was like a $99 Mustang bullet base to a two ninety nine Ibanez base, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I, I felt like it wasn't focused enough and because of having to go back and forth and take this part from this part and the edit just, it looked like shit Dude, because I've had to do that. It's, it's a thing like you, you just gotta, you just do it and do a bad job to start out with. <laughs> And it just gets better as you go. Dude, if you go back and look at my old videos, you'll feel a lot better <laughs> about you, like th- whatever I mean, you my came edits out with. Now, like. my, my edits now aren't terrible because the one thing I, I have learned from doing interviews and stuff like that and doing visual um, uh, interviews over you know this, this past thing is I try not to move too much when I'm talking. Because I feel Continuity. like and or or hand, hey there, hand movements, yeah, you know. Because if I do have to make a quick edit, I don't want it to be like you know, like you said, like all right, now he's over here, you know, like you know, <laughs> I I see that in videos sometimes. No, none of your videos. No, that's bullshit. There, I do that all the time. I don't all notice it. You're, you're, you're editing. You want to you yeah. hear the uh, the cure for that? This what? can be. Some people, if you do it too much, it can get annoying. I've had comments about it. The pop zoom. When you have oh, a cut yeah, like yeah. that, you zoom in 10%. You just... And then the next time you have a cut, you zoom back out. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That makes it a lot less obvious. Yeah, that's probably Tips why. I, and, that, and that's why I see like a lot of guys like you know Stevie T and Davey504. They have a lot of those pop edits. And I've actually been trying to figure out how to do that. And I think when I was trying to figure out how to do that, I actually fucked up in the video because I was doing the pop edits for that video because I was like, like I said, the continuity was off and I couldn't get it just right. Dude, in YouTube, people don't really give a shit. Like they know that you're not in a fucking studio with three cameras. Like, you know. Yeah. I think it's probably, you're probably being uh, too self-conscious about it and probably need to not work. Definitely am. fine. And I mean, it sucks because like you can't see from this camera that you're looking at me at, but I'm like, I'm looking at my camera that I'm filming with and I'm like, Damn, Kyle, you you really did kind of figure out how to do lighting in in the space that you have. You know, it yeah. doesn't come across on the on the Logitech camera, but on the Canon, it comes across. I mean, like in the Canon, you can see my purple fucking, you know, my purple lights I got going on in the background and shit. Yeah, I actually, can see after in... after we're done with the podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you probably some questions about about uh, about <laughs> lighting because that's that is my biggest my that's my dude. Biggest it took me right so long to figure that out, but like I can yeah I can see in in the zoom I look like the yellow bastard from <laughs> Sin City. Or or whatever what was no what's the yeah, yeah sin city yellow Sin-Sin bastard city, yellow yeah. bastard yeah um but in my camera i look like fucking gold <laughs> i mean i don't look but, like gold in this camera 
but I definitely look better than I do in this camera. This is very flesh washed. It's very, and this is whoa. There's that, a death like, metal band named Flesh Washed. <laughs> I'm I'm dry as a bone, so that sounded like garbage. But ah, it's all right. Flesh washed. But um, uh, yeah, dude. Well, uh, speaking of uh, after the podcast, um, I'm uh, I'm I'm starting to get a bit nippy. So um, maybe we yeah, uh, I've I have to pee as well. Yeah, I can't believe piss. Uh, I've sat th- here this long without having to pee, and even with yeah, all I've, the Arrowhead inside of me. Yeah, and um, after about almost three hours, this is this is my longest podcast. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I have it ticking um, off in minutes, and I, di- I haven't done the math because I'm. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I'm gonna have to go uh, I mean, it, uh, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it in logic time. It's been uh, 5,422 bars at uh, 120 BPM. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that math because fuck that. Whole I mean, we, yeah, we started around 4, 450. It's 746 right oh, now. Oh, God, so yeah, yeah, we just passed about three hours. <laughs> yeah. But, well, it's um, been really fun. That's why I went so fast. Didn't feel like that. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad we have finally had some time to chat because I know yeah. the times that we've run into each other, it's either been at Nam, 70k, or a Dime Bash. So we haven't really had a chance to. And all to, of those to, things to, happened within a few weeks of each other. So with I think within a week of each yeah. other. So do I really appreciate you coming on? Oh, if you want to tell really my listeners and viewers where they can find all of your things, so I don't have to repeat it again. Well, if you've made it this far in you win a prize uh you don't really i don't have anything to give you but um if you want to find more of trey xavier um geargods.net geargods on youtube and instagram and all that youtube is kind of our primary outlet um my band is called in virtue we are also on youtube that's probably the best place to find us in virtue two words and uh you know um where else oh you can't find me in real life. I'm a, I'm a secret hermit. Twitch, Twitter, Twitch. Thank you. Twitch is the other thing. I stream um, twice a week on Twitch. Wednesdays I stream um, song critiques so for mm. subscribers. Oh, I've seen those. Those are good. It's really fun. It's really fun. So people, um, you know, bring their songs and we listen to them, and I kind of break them down and like say things that I would do to improve them, which I don't know if I'm qualified to do, but people seem to like it. So, and then on <laughs> Sundays I write songs on Twitch. It's usually it's usually like five, six, seven hours. Last week I went eight hours. Jesus Christ! Um, and that's Gear Gods official. Gear Gods official on Twitch. Thank you. All right. And uh, yeah, and then I stream. Uh, I do the song critiques on YouTube as well on Friday nights. Got a packed, Sick, I got dude. a packed schedule, and th- thank you so much for having me on. This has been really great. Um, I've you know been, been following your outrageous success with uh with Bad Wolves, you know. Um, oh, thank you so much. Um, thank you. and just being like, oh my god, what? Wow! Oh, look at them I'm go! They're still very, going. Very fortunate. Very fortunate. Very fortunate. Wild in, in my ride, career. Um, so, and then dude, I really Devi was like, I was like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> Well, dude, I really, really appreciate all those nice things that you said about me. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and then between making a post about doing this podcast and then doing a three-hour podcast, there's only about an hour in between. So (laughs) being quick, ready, and available, I really do appreciate your time, It's a good year for it. uh, Absolutely. And all you guys in the internet world, thank you. For joining me and Trey on this 12th episode extravaganza of just STFU podcast with your boy, Kyle Conkeel. Until next time, this is Conky out. Peace. All right. If you guys have made it this far, you deserve a cookie.
or some sort of delicious treat that you enjoy. That was a super fun podcast. Um, I'm not sure how many more I'll be doing to video like that, but I'm only going to be doing them to video if the quality is up to par. Now, unfortunately, I had to render the video in non-HD because of how long it was, but, and I did it like four fucking times. So if you're listening to just the audio, be sure to go check out my Instagram or I'm sorry, not Instagram. Check out my YouTube video of this podcast. Just look up Kyle Conkeel or KS Conkeel on YouTube to check out some of the, the video. I worked really hard on it. I know some of the edits might not be that great, but I did what I could. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate you all, and I will see you next week.